Hey listeners, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble, the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today I'm excited to welcome someone I've recorded a lot of episodes with, but only one has been in person. Welcome back to the pod basement, Eric! Hi! Hi! Welcome back! It's been over a fucking year! Dude, hasn't it? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. (laughs) But we've recorded, I think, seven episodes, just you and I. Wow, has it been seven? I think so. You figure... There's four seasons of Sabrina. Four seasons, but then we split up season four into two recordings. Right. And who's who? Yeah. Well, and then we had a handful of recordings with with Laura. So we did the who's three episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah. We did our watch party on holiday. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then yeah, Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol season, season one. one. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Time flies, dude. Time it? flies when you're in lockdown. Doesn't it? Wow. <laughs> That's insane. No, uh, no, it's awesome. And I want to say, actually, before we really get started, man, it, it is cool being back here. It's cool seeing your face not on a screen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... Oh, we don't have to I worry gave, about connection issues uh, we, and shit. We gave each other a hug. It felt oh my God, great. Yes. You know, yeah, we don't have to worry about internet issues. <laughs> we can properly talk over each other and interrupt each other out of excitement. <laughs> That's really hard to do on Zoom because the other mic will, like the other person will start to cut out. Mm. And it's really hard to. Yeah, but I hear you. Sometimes it's, I, I can't clean whatever. Right. Well, I'm really excited that now, hopefully, we are able to move forward with, you know, face-to-face shows you know mm-hmm. i'm excited to do this again i really am Fuck yeah. so thanks for having me yeah well and as you see in the pod basement i got like a small tv and like a little roku yeah there's a little thing. there's a little more feng shui in here from the, yeah. from the last time i was the around keyboard and yeah so i have been kind of fucking around down here little by little uh during lockdown and yeah. i'm just like why <laughs> no one's coming over <laughs> but i figure with the tv if we ever want to do another like watch party uh-huh. We could just do it here, record it, and then not, and then we can pause yeah, to be like, sure. "What the fuck?" Whereas right. when we attempted to do it all online, Yumi and Laura, we agreed not to do pauses and just just because of the timing. Yeah, we all, had we to all tried to uh, try try to uh, synchronize, synchronize our, watches. our watches. Yeah, it just still good. I think we were like only off by a few seconds. Yeah, so we were it really wasn't, good. It wasn't too bad. Mm-mm. Yeah. So, no. I, and I'd love to do another one of those. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to figure something out. We'll have to pick another. I think when uh, the holidays come around and all the lifetime and <laughs> we'll pick another one and suffer through it. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's great. What but, do we what do we what was our test movie? Oh my god! Operation Christmas Drop or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that what it was called. Because like, and I that just, ended I up just... to, that ended up looking like it was better than holiday. Yeah. Ended up being better than holidays or something like that. Because like, I just remember like, didn't the islands look like penises or something? There was something. <laughs> There's something that looked very phallic. There was something very <laughs> dick related in that in that movie. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah. I haven't gone back to watch it since Me that neither. test, so it's all good though. So maybe we will. We'll see. Yeah. But until then. We're not here to talk about what we may watch and record on. Mm-hmm. We're here to talk about what we've already watched and recorded once on. Mm-hmm. And we are here to do Doom Patrol Season 2. Ooh, season Woo-hoo. 2. Yeah. So spoilers for the incomplete second season. <laughs> but aside from that, what did you think of Season 2? I thought Season 2 was very entertaining for what we got. 
a lot happened in a short amount of time, which is great. I know that there were definitely plans to keep that, you know, to continue the story after the last episode, because I think they were still planning 16 episodes or 15 episodes, whatever it was before COVID happened. And then, you know, that just kind of fucked with it, fucked with everything. But overall, I felt like we got a really solid, shorter season. And, you know, if you think about it, I know that really wasn't the plan with Doom Patrol, but with a lot of shows these days, we're getting shorter seasons. Mm -hmm. So getting a nine episode season that maybe not that wasn't intentional still felt like a complete season because that's what we're getting more and more of with other shows. So disappointed wasn't continuing, but at the same time, not so disappointed because that's what I'm used to now. Mm hmm. You know, I thought the characters, you know, were our original gang, Rita, Larry, Cliff and Vic and Niles, you know, their their stories were just as strong. Their character developments were just as strong this season as they were in the first season. We got to know our gang a lot better mm -hmm. um, and a little more intimately, I felt like, this season. Um, yeah. We also got the introduction of some very key new characters. There was Dorothy, mm -hmm. who is just like, the center of everything this yeah. season. Yep. You know, there's Miranda, who's the basically the center of the almost the one of the center points of the underground. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, getting to meet her was a pretty big deal. It was. I enjoyed. I enjoyed kind of what we saw of the Miranda character alternate personality. Kind of how she was the one that pulled, literally, like, pulled Kay yeah. out of the well, away from her abusive family. Mm -hmm. And we see that things aren't, they're, things are going pretty well for Miranda and the underground. At least until, as things appear until yeah. that reveal, which we'll get to later. Um, and then also we met Ronnie, um, who Ronnie, I think the first time around... I don't know how much I really paid attention to Ronnie and Vic's relationship, but this time around, you know, because I'm writing that I'm taking notes, you know, I'm noticing things that I didn't notice the first time. And Ronnie, man, what a what, what a tragic story that girl had. Mm -hmm. I mean, just her time in the mil with her time in the military, the things she did in the military, mm -hmm. what the military did to her, mm -hmm. you know, and basically also what the military took away from her. Mm -hmm. Sad. It's very, very sad. So, you know, there was a lot of tragedy this season, um, but there were a lot of those great Doom Patrol fuck it all moments, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. As I like to call them now, they're called they're my cliffing moments, you know. <laughs> and it that just doesn't necessarily mean it just includes Cliff, but right. whenever something extremely funny happens, it's a cliffy moment for me. Um so yeah, overall this season was good. Shortened, but I wasn't disappointed. Yeah. I was just disappointed we didn't get a full season. That's yeah. the only thing I was disappointed about. I really wanted to see kind of the resolution. And when I first started watching season two, you know, I watched season one, went right into it, even before we decided to record on this. Yeah. And so I didn't know that it was an unfinished season. I thought it was still, because I wasn't paying attention to the episode count. I was just burning through it. Right. So when it got to the end and there was no next episode, I... I had a cliffy moment. I was like, what the fucking fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because, see, the season, it ended the way that you would expect a mid-season episode to end. Mm -hmm. It didn't have any great cliffhanger. I mean, it kind of, I guess. I mean, it did, yeah. It did, but it wasn't like a season-ending cliffhanger. No, You no. know what I mean? Um, like you said, very much like a mid-season 
kind of that yeah break like where... if we're gonna take a break and come back later on we pick up right there where we left off yeah. but we're still within the same season yeah, yeah. that's Walking that's dead. what i got yeah but you know there were some there were some moments that happened at the end of the last episode that felt like a true season finale um in my opinion actually that moment was the miranda reveal um see i wanted more from the miranda reveal do you want to talk about that now, let's, or should we yeah. wait a little let's bit get, on that? Let's get into the Miranda. You want to get, just get yeah, it out of the let's way? Let's just fucking go for it. What have our What have our recordings ever been in order? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but and because I know we had talked about we're gonna we'll eventually get to Dorothy because I think yeah she's sure. gonna be a major part of because she's a yeah. major part of the the season. Right. I feel like she's kind of plot A and everyone else is plot B. Everything else revolves around yeah. her. But. With the Miranda reveal, because I I enjoyed seeing this character and I enjoyed kind of the little flashbacks mm-hmm. to how she really kind of helped, you know, Kay, the girl, and, and the underground to kind of flourish and, and move forward. Yeah. She's got a boyfriend. They're living in Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to mention that later, but since you mentioned that now, I was just going to say, first off, I laughed so hard oh, this second yeah. time around when I saw that. Yeah. Because I totally forgot about it. Because for anyone who doesn't know, I'm from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, this was Milwaukee like 1967 or yeah. something like that. <laughs> so I wasn't born. So, but still, I just thought that was a that was kind of cool. <laughs> I always I always love how how often Wisconsin pops up in TV and shows. Yeah, but don't you feel like when that does, when they decide they're gonna they're gonna choose Wisconsin. And they don't know anything about the si- about the state. They just take a dart and like throw it at a map and say, "Okay, that's where this is going to take place." Like, can I just give a quick spoiler for something here? Are you, ha- are, are you caught up on watching Loki? No, we have not watched Wednesday's episode. Oh man, I really want to say this, but maybe I shouldn't spoil it. I don't know. I'm already this far. Okay, go. Okay, so there's a part in Loki that takes place in Wisconsin, and they're at a Renaissance fair. But according to this show, they're in, like, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, or something like that, when the actual Renaissance fair is in Bristol, Wisconsin, the complete opposite side of the damn state. And that's my rant. (laughs) Jen has been covering her ears this entire time. I wonder if, like, my tiny squeals made it through. And it's funny, too, because all I could hear occasionally was Wisconsin. (laughs) That's that's good. That's good. But no, I just wanted to rant about that because I feel like when Wisconsin is used in a show, there's no research done about the state. No. You know, they just choose it. Because it's usually just like for that brief moment, a flashback. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily the center of like the location where this movie or this whole series takes place. So when it's little blips like like we got in Doom Patrol, yeah. um, of course they're not going to do any fucking research and when it's like like supernatural takes they do a lot of um ghost busting in 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 the midwest and a lot in wisconsin but it's like it looks like they're out in the middle of nowhere very rural so it looks like it could easily be like southern was definitely not northern wisconsin because that's definitely more wooded and hilly and and gorgeous yeah right so you're just like all right so you're just like just below like dane (laughs) county um Speaking of rants, before we continue on with the Doom Patrol, mm-hmm. I have to get this out. Oh, do it. Do it, girl. Okay. Titans. Oh, I knew I knew this is where, where you were going. Okay, 
Go on. So been, she's been waiting for. I've this been rant. fucking and I patiently was, too. I tried to get Eric to watch it, and he rightfully quit <laughs> season one. You know what? I got pretty far though. I got to like episode eight or something like that, or seven. I gave it a fair chance. Yeah. So so Titans. So I'd started watching Titans after my first watch of Doom Patrol seasons one and two because I just I wanted a little more DC fix. I was kind of thinking, oh, you know. I've heard Titans is dark and gritty. Like, maybe it'll be... See how it compares to, like, Doom Patrol, because I absolutely fucking loved Doom Patrol. Yeah. And... And we were introduced to Doom Patrol and Titans, too. Yes. Yeah. And so I was watching it, and I was kind of getting into it, really just trying to be positive and give it a chance. And then season one ends on a fucking cliffhanger. Like, intentionally. So season two starts... The, the first episode of season two is suppo- was supposed to be the finale for season one. And it's very fucking obvious because they go up against uh, Raven's dad oh, uh, okay. at the end of season one. Okay. But it's a cliffhanger. So, like, Trigon has infected Robin or, you know, Dick Grayson. And so now he's all demony or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it literally picks up. And I was like, what was the fucking point of that? I couldn't find a good explanation for that anywhere. Mm-hmm. So... I'm thinking it's the powers that be pulling some like Fox level bullshit of like, let's rearrange the fucking episodes, you know, Mm. like they did with fucking everything. Yeah, right. Okay, sure. I I get what you're saying. So, but at the resolution, so I I really wanted to like it. I was very curious as to what they were, where they were going with uh, Starfire's um, memory loss and trying to remember who she was as an alien. And then that all just kind of like happened. Yeah. And it felt very unsatisfying. Like, oh, okay, all of a sudden now she remembers everything. Uh-huh. She remembers her, uh, why she came down to Earth and why she was looking for Raven and that she was actually sent to, like, destroy Raven. Okay. And all this other shit. Yeah. And so I was like... And I remember that, I remember that too, because she, like, like they're, they're in her, they're in the house, that, like, her mom's house or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, and then suddenly kicks in and she's, like, goes... Yeah. Full rampage and tries to kill her. Yeah, I remember that. So, like, you almost, yeah, so you almost finished season one. I love that you did it. The, the last episode, I thought, was, like, the last few episodes, of, I think, of both season one and two of Titans were fairly strong. Some of the better episodes. And they really weren't that fucking great. It seems like the show has a big following, so I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm pissing anyone off. But I really tried to like the show, and I fucking couldn't. There were some strong moments, but they were few and far between, and um, can can I inter- can I intervene for just a second? See, mm-hmm. I've noticed this with DC shows. DC shows either take themselves too seriously or not seriously enough. Mm-hmm. There is, the, and what I love m- so much about Doom Patrol is it's right in the middle. Yes, and that's where DC needs to be with their programming. Yes. Now we saw that a lot with maybe in the first couple of seasons of The Flash. It wasn't too seriously, but it was a great story. You know, it was yeah. easy to keep. Same thing with uh, with Arrow. You know, yeah. but. You know, when DC either goes on with a project too long or they try too hard to draw in an audience that they are not, that they just haven't had before, they they, they tip off the scale. They don't really mm-hmm. do, they're not doing any justice to the characters, to the stories. They're not doing any justice to the fans, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's dark and gritty. That's great. I think maybe they were trying to go for more of a Dark Knight tone with uh, w- with that show. But the writing wasn't there. 
the action sequences for a lot of them were terribly oh choreographed. My. I completely um, agree. The fight scenes and fucking Arrow are more entertaining and realistic and believable mm. than some of these fight scenes in Titans. Yeah. If that tells you fucking anything, and I follow Stephen Amell on Instagram. I've seen his training <laughs> videos while, yeah. while Arrow was still on. Yeah. So I've seen, at least with that character and that actor, I've seen all that work. Katie Lotz um, from Legends of Tomorrow, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, I've seen some of like her training videos, and she's just out there fucking just killing it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the fuck happened here with Titans, but I swear to God, they didn't choreograph the fight correctly and they didn't have the camera placed appropriately because I swear to God, there were several punches I actually saw not land, like how they're not supposed to, but we're supposed to we're believe. Supposed to say, it's supposed to be a cell. Yes, you know? yeah. because of the angle and, and, and lighting or whatever, all those technical right, aspects. Right, right. So... There were, so yeah, I was very disappointed in the fight scenes. And then we get their fucking Batman. And oh, was Batman in the show? Oh, yeah, Batman appears towards the end of season two, episode one. Because again, that was supposed to be season one finale. Who played Batman? (laughs) Um, our favorite, our absolute favorite Game of Thrones love lorn Jorah the motherfucking Explorer. What? Yes! What? <laughs> I straight up was like, what the fuck? But there was one point, one okay. one scene where Dick Grayson's kind of kind of like hallucinating or whatever. Like he's seeing, he's seeing uh Bruce. He's whatever, having a breakdown. Sure. And um there's a there's a part where I almost want to see this so I could watch Jorah Batman. Yeah, he's, and at first I was like, ugh. And I'm still a little, ugh. But there was one scene in particular, so uh, Dick is hallucinating, and he sees Bruce Wayne, and he's kind of like somewhere on a stage, and he's like dancing, okay. but he's doing the Adam West Batman dance, yes. so he does like the fingers oh my over God, the seriously? eyes, and he does like with the hand thing, so if you look up like even that gif, the I, dance. I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about, yeah. So I, I did appreciate that. That's cool. Um, That's cool. What a great homage. Uh, that was, and so I was like, okay, so if you're going for more of like an Adam West Batman, yeah. fine, I'll allow it. <laughs> but I literally was like, what in the fucking fuck? Jeez. <laughs> um, they introduced good, uh, Deathstroke in season two. Okay. And which was like the casting. I love the casting. I think the casting is great in terms of the actors and kind of looking like and resembling these characters. So the actor, I don't know who he is uh, that they got to do um, Deathstroke, but I thought he definitely looked the part. But again, it's like a second season. I felt like there was maybe a bit too much going on, and I don't even remember how it fucking ended. Mm, okay. And will I watch season three, you asked? Yeah. Yes. I know you will. <laughs> I know you will. I don't, so. th- I don't think you could tell yourself not to do it. That's the thing. I'm surprised because they've they've started revealing like set photos and costumes and stuff for season three Titans. I think for I as have long not as Titans, on any of them. for as long as Titans is going to continue, you and I, <laughs> we will put the, we will put aside for our recordings for you to have a rant about that season. Okay, I don't care what we're talking about. Okay, 
we will make sure you have your set. You will, you will have your moment to go off about that show because I'm not going to get back into it. So everything I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn from you. Good. Which this is going to make me not want to watch it even more. Yes. But that's okay. Except for maybe a random scene or two, which well, I'm sure I you am, can find the clip I on YouTube. I am interested in seeing Jorah as Batman and doing the Adam West dance. Yeah. I, I, I might have to look that up. Now, they don't actually show him in... The Batman cowl. So he's he's purely Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah, but still. It's but still, still the, yeah. Uh, the, the dancing. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. Still. Very cool. <sighs> okay. Where do we leave off? Miranda. Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> Miranda. That's right. That's right. So yes, with the Miranda reveal that she... So we're, we're kind of led to believe that the Miranda personality somehow came back from the quote dead from the their well in the underground which yes yes because we saw her rise out of the well in front of everyone and they're all like Miranda. oh yeah right. in white and everything Love yeah that right. Wasn't that something? <laughs> but then we find out or we're led to believe that it's not actually miranda but it's still that uh the 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 dad the yeah. triggering yeah. suppressed uh trauma yeah. yeah has manifested itself into miranda yeah and initially First time I saw that and that reveal, and because she calls Kay like, you know, sweet little girl or whatever it was, creepy thing that yeah, her dad, right. her dad yep, always said. Yep, yep. I was a little disappointed because I was like, really? That's going to be the twist on, on who Miranda is? But granted, we didn't see how this plays out. So I will it's stay true. open that this wasn't just... This, that's an not easy, how it was meant to be. Yeah. Not just a cop out. Yeah, yeah, it felt very cop outy. Now, I and I totally, totally know what you mean by that. I completely agree. Had this, had we gotten a full, a full, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen episodes, whatever the plan was, we would have gotten a lot more. We would have known a lot more and been like, okay, uh, this isn't quite what we thought it was. But considering that this was the last episode that we got. In my opinion, it was a good way to to end the season in that mid season finale sure. style, because it, you're, you're at, the, at the you know it's kind of like that shock moment. You're like, oh my god, how is that possible? <laughs> but then at the same time, you're like, oh, this is an incomplete season. There is missing story here, so you can't take it for what it is. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, now, had we gotten a full season and that had been the actual end to you know, Jane slash Miranda slash Kay's story for this season, I would have been more disappointed. Mm -hmm. I definitely would have. But just like you, I'm keeping an open mind for season three and where they planned on going with that. And hopefully, like, whatever their original plan is, uh, hopefully this time has allowed them to maybe revisit that and and give us something maybe not such an, an easy cop. You know what Do I you mean? Have a theory? Do you have any theories about it, maybe? Like, why is her father manifested as one of her I think because one of her personalities so thinking back to like the trauma and everything the the abuse it's obvious that you know that's never going to go away no matter what well metaphysical or um mm -hmm. metaphorical whatever it it drops into it's always going to be there so with kind of Jane going through her struggles of just trying to escape yeah. and not wanting to deal with being on the surface and yeah. really being the primary, but at the same time, not giving up her spot as the primary. This was a big season for Jane and her, and her acceptance as primary. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I kind of feel like, so it's, so yes, the trauma is always going to be there. So could this maybe have been a way to manifest 
you know, manifest in Miranda a challenge to Jane as primary because Miranda seemed my my take was that Miranda was the original primary. Yep. And it wasn't until that party with her boyfriend, quote, mm. shitty boyfriend, that's when like, yes, that's the first time we see Jane uh, within the timeline of Kay's existence. But is that actually the birth of Jane? Well, was I- Kay fucking up so bad and setting them back so far that that was actually the moment the Jane personality was created to become the primary. So, so, so funny you say that, because literally I have this written down right here <laughs> on this line. So during the scene, uh, during the, I uh, guess, with the mass orgy or whatever you would call it, you know, the swingers party, when she is having, when she's having sex with uh, uh, her boyfriend's co-worker friend, whatever he was. Bob. Bob. Eh. Um so there is a moment in there. It's only it's only lasts for a few for a few seconds where we see that like little shudder. You know when she changes personalities, mm-hmm. you see that shudder. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where we see that shudder while she's having sex with him, and she's actually getting into it. Only for a few seconds. But my what I wrote here was she starts to get into it for a moment, possibly the birth of Scarlet Harlot. Is mm-hmm. this also when that personality came out? Yeah, we they, I mean, it's very minor, but it could have been. Because we saw um, uh, Scarlet Harlot. We saw, uh, oh God, who's the who's the little English stutter one? Oh my God. Pol- no, not Polly. I'd but, have to look up season one notes for that. But yeah, but she, the stutter comes out. So mm-hmm. I think she transitions into at um, Pennyworth. Well, I don't fucking remember, but it was something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um her scarlet harlot mm-hmm. and i felt like maybe a little bit of jane too because initially there's a point where you're just kind of like what the fuck is this and then yeah that and then continues to kind of cycle through until right miranda eventually stops it but then the underground pulls her in and they're just like you fucked up yeah. and that's when miranda goes to try and apologize oh, to Kay, right, and then Kay throws, shuts the door on her yep yeah and then miranda jumps into the well and then the person that wakes up and calls out the bullshit is Jane. We find is Jane. Right, right. So because maybe because Kay uh literally shut out Miranda and Miranda knew she fucked up and she felt bad, you know, because she was the one that's supposed to kind of lead them forward and everything. Oh yeah, because uh, she was told when she came down you were supposed to protect us. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And because originally, like when they when Miranda and the boyfriend first move into their place, it's almost seemed like when she's having that short conversation in the mirror, she says, thank you. So it almost seems like the other personalities are like, this is great. Things are going really good for us. We're doing it. We've got a place. We've got love. Yeah. We're comfortable with this man um, after all the trauma and everything. So yeah. one thing I never got, though, they moved in together. They don't really go into how long those two were together. Two years. Two years. So yeah. in a two-year relationship, do you think that he started getting in? He had to have started getting into the idea of swinging while they were together, because I feel like that's something that they he would have had. Uh, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, I guess, but I don't he, know. I, I just mean, thought it just seems he like was... something that that in a relationship that far into a relationship, you would know if you're with somebody who's into yes. the swinging And lifestyle. that's why he's just a shitty person and a manipulative gaslighting. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Jen, jerk. Jen calls him out on that too because she mm-hmm. said that the women there are just the sheep mm-hmm. to uh, to the misogyny of these men. Yeah, we you think know? we have this choice, but yeah, but it's not. It, it's just the illusion of choice that the men are giving. Yep. Them. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love Jane. That was a great. If that, that was truly, a great line. Yeah. that truly was the birth of Jane, the personality. Loved it. Amazing. Oh, and Jane did exist in the comic books. I'm not sure how big of a role, but I, I awesome. remember after our conversation and then during you at, editing. You it? Yeah. That's awesome. But That's um awesome. but yeah, so yeah, I guess I could see the trauma manifesting in to this personality that was a challenge to Jane. Yeah. And you know, everyone's like, Oh, Miranda, you know, even in season one, Miranda this and Miranda that, you yeah. know kind of like oh she was so great and she was yeah um so i can see i guess i can i could see that actually being the explanation you know for for miranda like if they that's the storyline they want to continue as Mm -hmm. as much of a cop-out as that still feels it also feels very real in maybe like a traumatic um, dissociative identity disorder kind of way, like maybe the personality that was meant to protect them because it let them it let they let it let Kay down, that now manifested into what reminded her of her father. Could be, yeah. So now when she thinks of Miranda, she thinks of her father. Yeah. And now when Miranda surfaces, Miranda's like, oh, pretty girl, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the line is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fucked up story. I mean, Jane is a Jane Miranda K. I don't know whoever you whatever name you want to put at it. It's a really unique but fucked up character, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. And um, I really enjoy seeing how the actress just portrays it and pulls it off. She's so good. She is very she very is, fucking good. She is a woman of so many talents, and she just on the fly on the show we've seen her change over from one character to another Mm -hmm. sometimes like four or five of them in a row yeah without just blunt without a blink yeah just in the blink of an eye and she's great at it she's so she's so good at portraying that character and i've um i i feel weird sometimes saying that the most damaged character on the show is one of my favorite characters just because i don't want to say oh she's my most favorite character i love her because i don't want to sound like i'm saying like She's so fun to watch, you mm-hmm. know, or anything like that. Because I think that's the impression when you say, oh, I love this character so much because I enjoy seeing them on screen. I I, I, I love watching what her progression and watching how the drama with how she manifests with herself mm-hmm. and how she, just how it all comes back to a single this the, this girl and just the way the character is written is what I love about mm-hmm. her. It's not so much what she does, how she goes through things. It's just that she's a very well-written character. And, uh, yeah, you don't... Well-written, you know, well-acted. and you Well-executed, yeah. And, and it's okay to, you know, have your favorite character be the most tragic because we're all a little broken, right? Yeah. And yeah. so it's okay to, even on even on these fictional characters where their trauma is extreme but also very real and exists in the real world to kind of be drawn to those people whether it's out of empathy some level of connection it's like well i didn't experience to that degree but i understand those emotions associated with that because of whatever i or the viewer went through totally totally so i i do tend to love the damaged the broken the tragic and the psychotics (laughs) yeah they are Especially if they're well acted, yeah, because it can be some of the 
the most intriguing and fascinating and amazing characters and performances ever. So That's it's, true. I, because I, you know, you know me, I like to watch a lot of fucked up shit. And when you watch shows that are kind of dark and fucked up, you have damaged, broken characters. That's true. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good so, point. That's a good point. Um, another thing about uh, the Miranda um, K storyline, um, there's episode eight, uh, Dad Patrol. You know, the show opens <laughs> up in a really fucked up way. Um, Dad's doing dad stuff is my note for that episode. Da- well, I guess it depends on what you consider dad yeah. stuff and which dad you're talking about because it opens up with Kay's father mm-hmm. putting uh, Kay into the bucket to lower her in the well. And, you know, the whole thing about that is that I find to be so sad, I mean, aside from, you know, this child <laughs> going through this obvious abuse is her only clutch, her only sense of, you know, comfort and security is her rabbit, Harry. And I don't know why, but for some reason, the rabbit just, it was a focal point of that episode, you know, because that's when Jane was like, I will go to the well, I will fetch it, I will get Harry. And Miranda's like, no, you don't go to the well, Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of find out that Miranda's like, wants Jane to go to the well. She's telling her not to go, so she will go is kind of what I got from that. I kind of got it because by the end of it, when Jane saw Miranda's memories of how how rough it was for Miranda, Jane said, like, I, she's like, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. I'll fall in line. And that's when Miranda's like, great, love to hear it. And then pushes her in the well. Push her in the because and, and then because Jane even was like, again, struggling, finally relinquishing a bit of that primary responsibility. Yeah. She gets Harry and she handed it to Miranda. And, and she's like, she's, I think you should be the one to give it to Kay. Yeah. Because again, she's the only one truly thinking about Kay, at least in this in this specific moment. Yeah, right, right. And you're absolutely right. And then yeah, Miranda tosses Harry back in the fucking well and then shoves Jane down mm-hmm. in there. And, and at you're just like, what when, the fuck? When Jane's down there, Jane finds the letter that Miranda, that Miranda wrote. Yep. Um, you know, and but then when she gets pushed back down, God, she see, you know. She, baby doll. Baby doll, thank you. I could first, I don't know why. The, uh, the fire one. Yep. Just she, just, now, Jane brought up a good point, though. What is death in the underground? Right. What is it? Is ba- I mean, baby doll and the other person and, and the other personalities. Oh, and we actually saw the real Miranda down there. Remember? Yeah. She dug up the real Miranda. Yep. So that's another thing about the whole idea of this being her father is. And I think kind of where my theory goes is because Jane found the real Miranda, but somehow has manifested the Miranda's, you know, physical aspect or the way she looks just with her father's personality. Mm hmm. You know, so I don't think this is going to be the end of well. By when we kick off the next season, I think we're going to get a a lot more about that. We're gonna, I think, we're gonna explore death in the underground. Yeah, and how that really, what that really means for them, mm-hmm. and Jane really stepping up as primary to take out this demon that is within there that that that's probably that's still causing pain with mm-hmm. it you know after all this time i just it's fucked up man it is fucked up and it's like yeah she no one knows how quote death works down in the underground and the loss of uh a personality 
absolutely could mean that Kay is healing and doesn't need that personality right. like to when do. Scar- like when Scarlet Harlot's uh, tunnel uh, was yeah. sealed up. You know, the, the idea, well, I think they mentioned that does this mean that she's healing, which is what they want for her. Mm-hmm. But at the same time with that, Jane questioned what does that mean for us? What will happen to us? Because they have become their own people, their own mm-hmm. persons, their own, they've, de- these their are personalities. Pers- they've, they, these are personalities that have developed their own personalities, I guess you could say. They're pers- from my understanding of DID, it's the, the host creates the mind creates whatever type of personality that's needed to handle whatever that situation is going on at the time that the host cannot handle so Mm. there are protector types there are aggressive types there can be uh childlike types and i possibly like more primal animalistic which i don't know because did is very much like Still, it's a controversial. It's topic. very controversial. Yeah. A lot of professionals still aren't all on the same uh, a level on yeah. the same page about it. Right. I absolutely think that we don't we don't know enough about the mind. And so, do I think that someone who has experienced tragedy could their mind could shatter into sixty four personalities? Sure. Why the fuck not? Depends we don't that, fucking know. You know. I mean, you have enough. You have enough bad things happen to you. Hmm. You know, you got to try to find an escape, and eventually you do, but the, it, that's where the mind escapes. Yep. So these personalities are created with the established personality. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like, it, it's not in that sense of like this personality is born and over time become, like a, like a human is born and over time becomes their own person. Right. So it manifests from my under- over time. Yeah. So from my understanding, it's Jane just appeared and Jane is Jane. Yeah. You right, know? Right. Right. So it's crazy. It is. And but again, it's like for Kay to have 64 personalities, you know, we see the um, hangman's daughter. She paints. That's what she does. Baby oh, yeah, doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby doll runs. Mm-hmm. That's all they do. So whatever the situation might be, if Kay needs to have that escape and just only have one solid thing, sole thing to focus on, she may summon then the hangman's daughter. And you know what? There was something that Jane said about baby doll this season that really stuck with me because, you know, I'm a male and where there's a scene, um, I, I wrote it down, I don't remember which episode, actually may have been this one, where she talks about how none of their personalities except for Baby Doll trust men. Mm-hmm. And Jane questions, do we really want to lose that? Right. Because they've, yeah. That's part of their healing is to be able to maybe get to a point where they don't, where, yeah, they're a little bit more comfortable around Men, right, and that's thanks to, and, and honestly, that is thanks to Niles. Despite how Niles has been, the not the nurturing aspect towards Baby Doll, and that right, and he actually, I mean, he has such a soft spot for Baby Doll, you know, because he sees Baby Doll as nothing more than a child, and he wants to take care of her, make sure she's protected, um, and the idea that and Jane. Jane loves Niles despite how she acts. She, kn- you mm-hmm. know, Jane loves him, but the other personalities could give a shit less about mm-hmm. Niles. Um, but because of Niles, there's she got to meet Larry, who she loves. She loves Cliff despite the shit. She, her, her, the banter between her and oh Cliff are just the, some of the best in the series. It really is. It's very much like a, a it's brother, like brother sister. sister. <laughs> yeah, it so is. It so is. But it's because of that. You know, she, I think it's just because of her family with them. She, if 
with the loss of baby doll, if they don't trust men, they're never go- they're, ne- never, they're gonna never gonna heal. do it, and yeah. they're never going to heal. Yep. And Niles, despite how fucked up he is, he is a very crucial part of their healing. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Larry, and same thing with Cliff, and same thing with Vic. You mm-hmm. know. Despite they all pl- kind of play a different role when it comes to Jane, she's I, the way I see it. This Niles' father, Cliff, big brother, uh, Larry, Larry and Vic probably cousins. I would say, mm-hmm. okay, the, but they're still a family. Mm-hmm. And if she loses that trust completely in them, then she'll never trust anybody, or at least anyone of the opposite sex ever right. again. Yep. And she doesn't want to lose that. And I think that's very key and important that she brought that up. Absolutely. Because again, that is, I think that is going to be a big part of the, you know, their healing process. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Love Jane. Love the character. Love the underground. Still want to know what's going on with the fucking scarecrow. What scarecrow the nun, person? The nun with the chainsaw. <laughs> I want to know more. Um, did we it. get the name of the witch? The witch who has the scars across her eyes. Yeah, her name's uh, like Polly something. She's right. Polly. Is she? Okay. Yeah. Is she the painter? No, the painter is. She's got more of like the Calofrida look with the um, oh, unibrow. Oh, with the with the, uh, with the unibrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. All right, because yeah, when I I remember we were um, kind of introduced to the witch. I I don't even know if really if she is a witch, um, but. I just thought it was kind of funny and cute where she was like, have you seen Scarlet Harlot? She wasn't at book club. I know. <laughs> like, She's oh, really excited about I this. Because I was like, they have a book club in the underground. That's great. That's it, It's just so, it, but it shows just like how the personalities have learned to live with each other too. Mm-hmm. They and form clubs. Yeah. So yeah. that's nice. They got to oh. do something with their time down there. I did want to add in real quick too that the actress who plays Hammerhead um, I, I don't have, I don't remember her name and her last name is, I think very like Polish. Um, but she, Stephanie, yep. Not going to pronounce that correctly. Chakowsky. Okay. C-Z-A-J-K-O-W-S-K-I. I'll go with Chakowsky. <laughs> um, a Wisconsin native. Hey. Hey. Oh, and, um, you know, we're we're kind of talking about Niles, and so let's just get into Niles and Dorothy. And because I know we're gonna have a lot to say about them. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to say about Dorothy. Um definitely but, uh definitely the center of this show this season. But real quick, the actress that plays Dorothy, Abby uh Monterey, mm-hmm. is twenty one years old. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, I, I figured she was older than what they were projecting her to be, but I figured she was probably, like, in her teens. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever seen what she looks like without her makeup on. So this picture on her IMDb, it. she looks a little Maisie Williams. Oh, she's pretty. Yeah. And uh, so she has, let's see if I... Man, that's a hell of a makeup job that they did for her on that show. Yep. And because they made they made it look like they tucked her chin back and uh, made her a little mm-hmm. more Neanderthal like with all and uh, yeah that's pretty crazy. Uh, let's see, real quick. So ah fuck it I can't find it I didn't write it down but she, but yeah she's only like four foot nine. Oh wow. Okay. So and then so yeah but she's got uh, so she's got something that. Keeps her short. 
Is, um, it, is that like, uh, and please forgive me if this is not the proper term, but is it considered like, uh, like a dwarfism? Uh, um, like? Let's see. Let me see if I can find it. I can always cut this too. I wonder if this is her first role. It kind of is. She was doing some like smaller stuff, I think. And mm-hmm. then she got cast as Dorothy. Right. Uh, she has uh, cleidocranial dysplasia. Okay. A rare bone disorder. Okay. I can't say that I've ever heard of that, but... I mean, how many, how many disorders are there that we've never heard of, right? Gotcha. So um, it can affect the development of certain bones and teeth. So is this the same? I wonder if that's the same one that, um, oh, the little cutie kid from Stranger Things, Dustin. Because he's got, I think it is, because I know it's a dysplasia. And the first word starts with a C. And that's why he, um, his. I mean, the actor didn't have any, like, top teeth. So his character, oh. Dust, Dustin, didn't have teeth. They wrote his character to have that same uh, disorder oh. as the actor. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. True story. The more you know. Yeah. Cool. All right. So. Dorothy. 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 What did you think of the Dorothy plot line? So she's a hundred and three quarters years yep. old, but mm-hmm. she's a perpetual 11 year old. Uh, she contains, she has like spirits uh, and it mm-hmm. passed down to her from her mom and her ancestors that mm-hmm. seem to be protecting. One of them being um, Man Bear Deer that we saw Man from, Deer. Man Bear Deer from season <laughs> one. And then we get a couple more Herschel the Spider and Dolly, the creepy clock, clock face, <laughs> clock face lady. <laughs> um, and a super scary uh, candle, maker. candle maker. Yeah. yeah. And. We what find did you say the clock face lady's name was? I think it's Dolly. I thought it was Darlene. Dar- Darling. Oh, okay. Darling. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, there, there we go. So, yeah. What, what did, did I, you think of all of fucking what did that? I think of Dorothy and just the overall Dorothiness of Dorothy. Dorothy was cool. Um, you know, the character of Dorothy was really, really cool. She was, uh, like you said, she's 103 quarters years old. But she has the mind of an 11-year-old, you know. Aging for her is incredibly slow, you know. You know what's funny? Uh, How long was she a baby, do you think? I don't know. but what what's That would funny, be fucking horrible. You know what's funny? What I thought about with this is with her, and the if she's 103 years old but looks like an 11-year-old, you know, it reminds me of the Lord of the Rings and the Numenorians who are men that age incredibly incredibly slowly they will live for a long time but eventually they will die and that's Mm -hmm. kind of what i see here with her you know she is she is mortal you know she's just going to age at a much slower rate than anybody else in fact the only person on the show will probably outlive her is cliff um yeah i think dorothy was um very well cast um i thought that the girl who played her was fantastic um i don't think they could have gotten a better actress to play her you really, really felt for her, though. Mm-hmm. It's like there's this, there's that innocence of a child, you know, that you're seeing portrayed here from this from this character. But at the same time, she carries such a dangerous, heavy load on her shoulders, 
in the form of her imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we have man pear, we have man pe- man bear dog, um, <laughs> we have Herschel, who is the giant tarantula, we have Darlene, who is the clock face lady. They are very minor, you know. Yeah. They pop up. You know, they are truly just imaginary friends that keep her company. Um, they don't so mean just, any harm no, to anybody. They just want to play. How Herschel funny and his knock knock jokes. How <laughs> funny was it when Darlene woke up next to Jane and Jane was, she's like, "Our father's dying." Yeah. Or whatever she says, and Jane just starts wigging out. Oh or when God. they're in the on the racetrack with uh, Cliff. Oh, uh, and the, he, she in pops the first, up in the back seat. Yep. All right. First off, I do not blame Cliff for one single second for being as upset. As he was. That was fucking scary. That was terrifying. Okay. That was a good jump scare. Good now, job. <laughs> granted, he probably didn't need to talk shit about the daughter, but at the moment he knew that it that Cliff was being Cliff. He's and this was episode one, so he's still very, yep. very, very, very fucking pissed off at Niles. Yep. Rightfully so. Absolutely. Um, my feelings towards Niles this season has definitely veered from what my kind of opinion of him last season of like, oh, this kind of like he cares and blah, blah, blah. He cares, but it's to the fault of just being a shitty fucking father and fuck Niles Calder. He's That's, trying to do better, though. I've got fuck Niles Calder written all throughout my notes. Every time he popped up and he's just <laughs> like, I'm just trying Aww. to save my daughter. Fuck you. You locked her down under Danny Street for how many fucking years? You wouldn't even he let her. You didn't give her the chance. That's the you thing. You wouldn't even let her on the surface of Danny Street she where was... literally everyone is fucking accepted. You know, and speaking and of. And Danny called him out on that. He's like. Yeah, at the party. Yeah. They... Danny was like, or even when. When she asked him, Danny, were you my friend or my prison? And he said, Danny. And they or said. Dan- Danny yeah. said, sorry. They said that. Oh, oh, oh Dorothy, I wish, I, wish I, could... I could say I was just your friend. Yep. You know, well, it, and even when Niles first dropped off Dorothy uh, on Old Tiny Danny Street, <laughs> um, Danny was like, she needs her father. And I understand his drive and everything of what he was trying to do to make sure that he lived long enough mm-hmm. that one day longer than her yep. to, to protect her and everything. And I understand that he wanted to protect her because she is, quote, you know, she we first meet her and she's like in the freak show circus, you know? Yeah, yeah, right, right. So I, I get all of that. But you kept fucking Larry, Rita, and Cliff a secret at your fucking Doom Manor. And you're telling me you couldn't house your fucking daughter there for that whole fucking time and work? Fuck you. You're a shitty father. I don't fuck your fucking day at the carnival. Fuck you. Y'all should have been doing that. Fucking, she's like, I loved our day. And he's like, we should have done it sooner. No shit. Well, you know what? (laughs) Damn, girl. For those of you listening, Jen is super red in the face right now, and I'm just sitting here. I'm sitting here like, uh huh. Get it out, girl. Just get it out. Oh, and he treated Cliff like shit. He just dismissed him. See, here I go again. Well, I will intervene real quick before. Okay, that's it. So that's the bulk. Before before Jen summons the candle maker. Fuck Niles Calder. So. I don't have a different opinion than you on Niles this season per se, but my, I guess the only defense that I will come into for Niles is better late than never. But the only problem I have is when he came in late, he did it because he knew that Kipling was going to kill her quote unquote, kill mm-hmm. her. Cause they, that was the plan at the in episode at the end of episode eight, going into episode nine 
Oh, no. Episode 7 going to episode 8 and then episode 9. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, because that was a three-part thing. Um, he wanted to have his final day with her. Something fun, something that... I didn't see it being more for her because she... The idea was that she was going to die mm-hmm. be, before she could summon the candle maker because once she... The whole... I, and I get it. Once she starts to grow up, the end is nigh. That mm-hmm. was the whole thing about Dorothy. Is they he preventing her from get from growing up because when she grew up the it was gonna become the end of the world and when she had her first period, and they found out about that, Niles knew his time with her was very short, so he thought he was doing the right thing for her to give her one good day, but in the end it was really more for Niles. Absolutely, it was more for him. It was more for his own selfish mm-hmm. needs, so he could feel better about himself after Kipling did whatever Kipling was planning on doing. Absolutely. And which is interesting because technically their job isn't done yet because of how this season was cut off. Mm-hmm. So once the wax has melted, um, where do they go from there? Is Kipling going to continue his his job to try to destroy Dorothy? Um, I, I think if Dorothy is able to defeat the candle maker, then no, there wouldn't be a reason then, well, right? Because the candle maker is the one that's supposed to bring about the end of the world. The way I see it, it's like the it, the candle maker is like the, is going to bring Ragnarok. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he he is sir. So, uh, uh, but you know, at the end of the very last episode, actually, literally, like the last thing that happened in that episode, Dorothy. You know, I know this is a total metaphor, but, it you know, this truly happened. She laced up those boots, yeah. you know, and she got. So cute boots were adorable. Oh, they actually were kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. I was like, damn. I was like, damn, mama had style. No shit. It's <laughs> like, damn, where you been with those boots? You know, but then like she gets that like totally amazing fucking like glowing weapon, which I had no idea where the hell she manifested that from. But yep. that thing was crazy cool. And she. She was like, I have to defeat you. Only I can beat you. She's like, I know what I have to do now. And she wasn't scared and she was ready to do it. And Niles being a shitty father was like, no, you can't. You're just a little girl not being supportive. And then, I mean, I don't know if it was more about him not being supportive. I would say it would be more of him trying to be protective. protective. I know, but but I was already so mad at him. But then at that point, you know, Candlemaker's like, yeah, you're hammering shit. And he just grabs her and pulls her into her chest, and that's it. Episode's yep. over. That's the end of the season. Yes. That's the end of the season. And uh, it's like, oh, I want to know what happened next. Mm-hmm. But So did you think, like, when she started seeing her mom, like, at the... Um, at the carnival? At the carnival, was that... Do you think that was, like, her mom's way of being like, this is... This is your destiny. You must defeat the candle maker. Like oh, she absolutely. never comes right out and 100%, says it. One hundred percent. Because she's one, got the battle boots, and she goes to initially hand Mama Dorothea's did, Mama spear. didn't arrive until she started bleeding. Mm-hmm. That's when Mama came back. So Mama's spirit, energy, whatever, she knew it was time. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and then um, we learned her name too. What was Slava? it? Slava. Slava. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, at first, only Dorothy is seeing Slava throughout the fair, you know, and then there's that moment where Niles finally sees her mm-hmm. and Niles is begging her, no, don't. And she, I don't remember exactly what she says, but she basically says to him that this is her destiny, mm-hmm. you know, without using those words. And then, we- yeah, and then fucking she goes in head charging like a fucking warrior beast and... uh 
Well, and I just yeah. love that, like, all ends. of a sudden, like, in, in a blink of an eye, Dorothy gets it. Like, mom finally appears, yeah. and maybe it was the presence of the spirits and the ancestors and, and the knowledge of, of the past or whatever, yeah. that now now Dorothy knows what she has to do. But, yes, I did love the part where um, mom goes to hand Dorothy the weapon. She's like, child, you need a weapon. Yeah. And she's like... <laughs> Well, she I just gives her like that little tiny spear, like the with the little black. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of Game of Thrones, the uh, uh, the glass that was on the end that oh, they used yeah. to defeat the White Walkers. Yeah. Yeah, dragon glass. Dragon That's what glass. it looked like at the end of the spear. And then next thing, oh, she turns into this gigantic like hammer thing. I know, and I'm like, oh, you can't even wield that. What are you well, doing? Apparently, she can. I know. <laughs> but I love. But it it was just kind of that nice moment of. Um, confidence and understanding finally from Dorothy. She doesn't understand anything that she's seeing. She doesn't understand why she's been locked away. She's just questioning, you know, all she knows is that her dad loves her and she loves her dad. Right. Right. But then it all comes through at the end. It all comes to at the end. So I love that she finally had that moment of, I'm going to go be a badass. But you know what though? Dorothy had some really cool, other cool moments throughout the series too. The most fucked up moment Dorothy had this season was her and Baby Doll playing with each other. Oh my! And God. then how that ended? How that they ended? W- they were super cute, but yeah, god awful annoying. But I loved how they um, stickered Vic, Vic and and, uh, and, and Cliff back. It's like <laughs> you stickered the robots and the. <laughs> yeah, but, but still, even Cliff was like, "Those two are cute." That's as shit. the idea of like kids being kids. You know, mm-hmm. and that goes back to what I was saying about Niles being so protective of Baby Doll because Baby Doll is just a kid, mm-hmm. you know. And but the thing is, is that Baby Doll is like super hyper, yes. so, yeah, like too much for even Dorothy to handle. But you got to look at it from this perspective Dorothy, one, has never really had anyone her age no. to play with. So, yes, she was really into it, but then at the end, she didn't know how to handle it, yep, because Dorothy. Uh, not Dorothy, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Baby Doll became too much even for Dorothy to handle. Because... Well, because Baby Doll's job is is to run and to play. She has no stop button. Yeah. That's... And, and Dorothy was just getting tired. Yes. And once they started playing in hide, hide and seek with each other, Dorothy had this crazy fucked up idea in her head on how to stop Baby Doll. But then it ended up, you know, with her... But what Was it... No, was it Baby Doll who... No, Dorothy got pushed into the furnace. Um, and then Baby Doll summoned the candle maker, uh, made the wish. Because... You mean Dorothy? No, oh, I said Baby Doll, didn't I? Yeah. I'm well, sorry. Yeah, yeah because, cause, yeah, uh, Dorothy got, they, she, like, um, Baby Doll, but with the help of some of the other personalities, I think pushed, like, telepathically pushed. Uh, Dorothy into the furnace. Into the furnace, right. And, and lit then, the furnace, And too. then the fire lady lit the furnace. Right. And then in that attempt to try, you know, so um, Man Bear Deer... Man Bear Deer. ...appeared as a defense. Yep. And, of course, uh, Baby Doll reacts by the fire lady then Just coming out. Just burning him alive. Well, alive, you know, quote-unquote. Yeah. Yeah, basically so, killing him. Yep, killed um, him. And that's when... And so by doing... But then... Then baby doll, baby doll, baby doll realizes like, oh shit, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do any of that. The fire in the and, furnace has gone out. That's when Dorothy but then that makes the wish. Dorothy, and then next thing you know, the candle maker's in the underground. Yeah, which that was insane. That was fucked up. Yeah, and went there, and for what we know, from what we could tell, killed baby doll mm-hmm. in the underground. Yes. 
And, and the that, fire fire lady one. Yeah, but you know what? I was surprised out of all the other personalities how much that fucked with Hammerhead the most. Hammerhead mm-hmm. was really beat up because Hammerhead's this big, badass. She's the protector of the type. entire group, basically. Yeah. You know, she takes no shit from anybody mm-hmm. and she will fight to the end. And when that happened to Baby Doll, you know, she didn't <laughs> she didn't cry or anything, but you could see the sadness in in, in her face and mm-hmm. just you know, the most innocent part of the personalities is now gone. Yep. So what's left to mm-hmm. uh, maybe in her her opinion, what's left to protect? So, but that was a very very interesting interaction between you know Baby Doll and Dorothy, and just how that just turned from so much fun and happiness to just such a sad ending. Yeah. Know? Um, what would you say was your favorite and Hell, your least favorite moment with Dorothy this season. Do you have a least favorite? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I didn't really like it when she decided to plot against Baby Doll because, mm-hmm. you know, she was she got she was exhausted of Baby Doll, but then she showed Baby Doll a uh, man bear deer, and Baby Doll swiped at him like she was a fucking cat or some mm-hmm. shit. Right. Um, and that's what set off uh, Dorothy then. Yeah. So I. Didn't really, I didn't really care for that kind of moment, mm-hmm. that that Dorothy moment. Um, I don't know if it was a favorite, but I appreciated the scene of her getting her period at the gas station and the kindness of the of gas the station. Woman? Oh yeah, I yep. mean, I would never ever be able to relate to that, but I thought it was such a pure human moment yes. right there. Yeah, just. One kindness. human trying to help another human out of pure kindness. I thought women, that was great. I mean, really, like, yeah, us women, we gotta look out for each other. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was I, I maybe maybe it is my favorite Dorothy moment. I don't know, but I really appreciated you them know, throwing that in there and her kind words to help help Dorothy. ease her through it. And yeah. I just love that she was saying things like, "You're gonna eat, eat like burgers at oh, like eight in the morning, yeah. and your tits are gonna get bigger." And like yep. she's just telling her all these all things that these are gonna truths. happen is becoming a woman. Yeah, you know. And again, I'll never ever be able to relate to that, but I I I can appreciate the kindness in that, and mm-hmm. I thought that was really nice. Yep. Um, I did too. Yeah, very, very, very cool moment in the show. Because you don't get a lot of that in this show, really. You don't. You don't get like not outside the group. No, no. You don't get kind. I mean, I guess they're all human, but with the exception of Cliff. <laughs> but um, they're all well. Vic's human too. Um, but you don't really get kind third-party humans in this show, right? Okay, right. you really don't. You know, everybody's got their prejudices in this show, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, it was, it was a great moment to show that there's still some nice people out there. Absolutely. My favorite moment of the enti- of Dorothy in the entire series um, was at the party episode during the sex party mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, before it turned into sex party. <laughs> Which we'll, we'll touch <laughs> upon that. Let's, in a let's, little... Yeah, finish this we'll, up we'll and then let's that. get into the sex man. But sex I men. loved it when Dorothy was sa- sang Pure Imagination from Charlie and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. Oh, yeah, to help, um, help bring, bring up, Dan- bring up yep. Danny and get the party started yes. as morally corrupt would say. And it was such a... Sweet, sweet, and honest moment, and everybody at the party was into it. They all sang, and next thing you know, Danny just lights up. Yep, and they got the theater, you know, the burlesque stage. You know, they open a door and magically that's there or whatever. Great, I loved it. And I think for the purpose, you know, 
the purpose. But fuck Niles real quick. Fuck Niles in that episode because it's like time to go to bed. Fuck time Niles to go to in bed. every fucking episode. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but absolutely in that because it's like why wouldn't you? It's like I get that you know it's. You don't want her up past a certain time, but it's a party. Let her hang out for a and while. She had always been, and she had even said to him and to Danny, I have been hearing these parties pretty much all my life, mm-hmm. and I've never been able to go. Mm-hmm. And she finally got her first taste of it, and like her father's trying to take it away from her. But then Danny steps up and was like, no, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yeah. But I thought that that song pick, uh, Pure Imagination, was absolutely fucking perfect yeah. to try and resurrect Danny to kickstart the party. Mm-hmm. I love that it was Dorothy that sang it and the mm-hmm. actress did a really great job. Just mm-hmm. a sweet voice. Perfect mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. yeah, that that that's a good one too. That's yeah. a good one too. Um, but yeah, absolutely fuck Niles for... I mean, I know like Tim and I are strict on bedtimes but we allow a little wiggle room when there's a party. You sure. know, but it's still all within reason. So it's like, all right, now shit's starting to get a little cray. Time for you to go to bed. Right. Because the sex ghosts are about to come out. So, OK. <laughs> so I had texted you clearly when I watched this episode. Because oh, then, yeah. yeah, Flex appeared. Flex and the Dannysons <clears throat> appeared. And I sent you that gif of Jeremy Renner just like, like hands. This, when, yep, when, when, like, when Flex showed up. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I think I, I wrote you back saying that was him. me. <laughs> And he was, and I, oh God, how great would it have, would it be to have Flex help decorate, set up a party? I actually wrote right here. (laughs) It's so funny. I wrote, Flex is doing awesome Flex stuff to set up the party. Uh, uh, That's all it says, to set up the party. (laughs) So... And how awesome was Flex in this episode, too? I feel like we didn't get enough Flex this season, but we really didn't get enough Danny or the Danny Street gang this season either. It's just really through this episode, but I really wish we'd gotten a little more, but it was great to see Flex's interactions with Dorothy. Yeah. You know, because he was so... very sweet. He was very comforting to her as well when she was kind of a little little nervous about everything, especially about the the singing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and then when he flexes his ears to make Dorothy fly to put up put up the uh, uh, mm-hmm. the disco ball, cool moment. I know, cool moment. And I love Flex too because they showed up at Doom Manor because he's he felt a spasm in his upper thigh. <laughs> Is that what he said? I don't remember that part. It's like he knew something was wrong. Because yeah, it was where it was, it was something in his like upper left thigh or some. Sh- and I'm pointing to my right leg, so clearly I'm. That's all right. Smart, but <laughs> if it helps anyway, it's my left right now. There you go. Um, but yeah, I yeah, flex. We didn't like you said. We didn't get a lot of them. I felt like we didn't really need a lot. There was enough going on in this fucking. There season. was, but it was great to have them. Yeah, you know, and even just for one, and they weren't just there as a cameo. It was a full episode yep. of the Danny Gang, and I loved it. And then Rita just straight up asking Flex to oh, give her an orgasm. God. And and then Flex has the line that with great muscles comes Com- great, great responsibility. responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me oh, I fucking yeah. love it. I love it. So during this, um, Rita is asking, she, she asked Flex to do the Flexi thing to give her an orgasm because she's, she's got a mental block. She's, she's, Rita's unlocking her trauma. So she's still kind of processing uh, her mommy issues basically. And, 
and and to also harness and control her stretchy powers. Yeah. And she's realizing that she can't control her stretchy powers until she confronts this mental block, which is also affecting her acting as well. She wants, you know, she's in community theater, which I think is so she's really excited cute. about it. Of course, too it's bad so the pl- too adorable. bad the play the play of uh, my town is actually about the destruction of their I town know. and the the girl who's she's on stage with or that she's sitting next to is the one playing Rita. Mm -hmm. But Uh. she absolutely nails her character analysis of the blob lady up until that last, like, kill them all! (laughs) Um, Because then even Rita, you know, like, the girl's going off about this backstory that she created for the blob lady and that, you know, she's got got daddy issues and Rita's like, mom. And and then the girl's like, oh, that's right, that makes so much more sense. And Mm -hmm. so she goes on with this analysis and, you know, and she ends with something like, and you know, she knows what she must do next. And Rita's like, what? Like looking no, like, for like, advice. Like, 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 what, like, what do I do? Saying, like, what, what, what's, what's happening here? What's next? And then the girl's like, kill them all. Kill them all. <laughs> Destroy the town. She's like, Ugh. Oh, and then Rita's um, like, oh, you blew it. <laughs> but yeah, so Rita's working through her shit. She's trying to un, you know, clear these mental blocks and everything. So mm-hmm. she's got flex nose to the wall. Nose to the so wall on the, on the dot. Yeah. Nose on the dot. Mm-hmm. And, Starts flexing, she starts orgasming, and then having these visions and everything. But as a consequence of how much sexy flexing's going on, <laughs> there summons it summons a demon. The did, what was the demon's name? Do you remember? I think I wrote it down. Uh, oh, I literally just could refer to him as sex demon over and over okay. again. Okay, so no, I did not write down the name. <laughs> That's quite all right. So now, because of all this high sexual energy above normal levels, apparently even above the Danny Street level on uh, season one. But anyways. Um, Which was great. Still yeah. one of the best seasons Fuck in modern yeah. tele or best scenes in modern television. Um, <laughs> they, this, the <laughs> all the sexy energy in the world <laughs> is impregnating the sex team. Oh, and if God. he gives birth to sex, sex baby demon <laughs> it's gonna, and it cries it's gonna destroy the world the world will end if that baby cries oh, oh it's just Jane Jane in that moment <laughs> she gets into the room and it's just filled with that like flexed sex energy sexiness it's and nothing but sex everywhere as, as soon as she walks in the room she just like kind of crumples and she's like ha oh. <laughs> But she was the only one strong enough and had the will to walk into that. All right, so the, the sex... Cliff could have done it if he wasn't high as fuck, and I'm he, glad he was high as fuck. He was as high fuck. as fuck. I was so happy for Cliff. Oh, it's me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, that was great. But, like, the sex demon ended up giving birth to the demon sex baby, and it had not cried, but it was going to, and here comes Jane with all of her power totally coming in her fucking pants at the same time, because... <laughs> I'm sure everybody in there was. <laughs> she takes her fists and just ta- and punches the baby right back up into. Yep, she shoves it right back up. Right back up into the demon and uh, oh my god, it was oh, cool. it was so funny. It was so fucking hilarious, oh. and I loved. I love the way the sh- men. I just love the way this show really uh, embraces confronts the re- sex. Just while oh. they do it is so they they do it in a in, in a very I think in a very humorous way. Yes. Um. Yep. And, and I like make that. It I, makes it more comical in, in other aspects. I thought you were going to say, uh, I, I mean, okay, so I was about to say, like, I loved the uh, the sex men. 
the the people that they had remind to remind you of the Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they totally did. Eyes on your pay- own paper. Girl. Shit. I got the Sex Men and Hallway of Sex Ghosts is big <laughs> Ghostbusters vibe. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Shit. That's good. Cool, cool. It is. They were like the Ghostbusters, though. It had to be because they, they had like their own proton packs. I, they had their I, own little, little, little no. shooters. Kiss and torture. And, no. and when they're like, I don't think we actually saw them shoot, fire off no, the little proton we did. packs. No, they didn't. They did not. But all like when they're walking down the hall and they've got them up, all I could think is like, don't cross the streams unless you have to cross the streams. <laughs> yeah. Like I wrote right here, right, right, this was before Jane uh, took up. Uh, when they see the se- when they see the sex demon give birth, what well, the the male uh, sex men walked in the bigger guy with yeah, the beard. Yeah. He walked in. It was like the sex man tries to set. He steps in. Yeah, you know, steps in. Loads up his gun to try to stop the sex demon, but then stops because he begins to orgasm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and his partner pulls him back, but he's just so spent he can't fucking do anything now. <laughs> yeah, and then now also at the same time, what's great about this episode is now, and this has to this has to be a thing even going forward. Forward, is every now and then, maybe every every uh, every other episode, randomly in the corner of Doom Manor, there's going to be two blue yes, ghosts having sex, I love that. and they're just there now. And, and even which kind of tells me that the sex yeah, men are shitty at their job. Probably, but you know that's all right. That's all right. But you know what? Even even fucking uh, uh, Cliff says to Vic, he's like, "So this is going to be the new normal, huh?" Mm-hmm. And one other thing about that whole. Th- that just that whole sequence and everything that happened there is Cliff had like the best line towards the end of that episode uh, where he says, are we not going to talk about how Rita's G spot almost ended the fucking world? <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, Cliff's got a lot of great lines. So. All right. We still have like so many. I think we spent a lot more time on Jane than I think we were planning well, to. Or I don't think I was, I, I didn't expect us to start on Jane. <laughs> You're welcome. So I think whether we started on Jane then or later, we would have had the, it would have been the same conversation. Yeah. So um, let's see. What about? Did you have more on Dorothy before we move on to our other um, other characters? Anything in particular about Dorothy? Um, aside from a few moments that she had that mm-hmm. I thought were really nice. Not so much. I like the way that she really did try to bond with everybody in the gang. Yeah. And that the way the gang tried to bond with her as best as they could. Yeah. Uh, Cliff, you know, had probably the hardest time doing it, though, because he associated Jane as a choice between... Dorothy? Or not. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. I'm like, wait. We just talked about Jane. Jane (laughs) No. Cliff, for a large portion of this this, uh, season, associated Dorothy... With the choice that Niles had between him having a life with his daughter to his, mm-hmm. Niles, Niles having a life with his daughter, or whatever, yep. and I feel for Cliff there because I feel like that was a very he he saw that as a very unfair thing that happened to him. Why does Niles' relationship with his own daughter have to impact the relationship he could have had with his daughter? Yeah, you know, and he blames Niles for that. And Absolutely. he when he sees Dorothy, that's all he sees. That's his and reminder. nobody, I think, can really blame Cliff for that. No. But over time, Cliff becomes accepting mm-hmm. of Dorothy, and I think that's good. I think they, I, I, he. They had a nice moment on the moon. They did. Yeah, so he I, had. The, it was. It was more. It was more of a fatherly moment that he had than what Niles had with mm-hmm. her. You know. And then Niles fucking says, "Fuck you, go out into space," oh. and just ejects him into space. He just treats Cliff so shittily, and like he sees him as a failed science project that he just can't get rid of. I feel, and yeah. maybe he thought he could this way. I don't. I don't know. Well, I think 
the whole reason that I think that Niles just ejected Cliff out into space was because Niles knew that he was going to go and try and get some answers from, you know, Slava's ancestors or whatever, you know, because yeah. he he ended up going into the Arctic and everything and, and to the he didn't where the to, runes he are. He didn't want to bring Cliff there, but... But you could have told a motherfucker that yeah, before you shot his ass out right? in the fucking because space. Because all Cliff was thinking after that was revenge. Yeah. You know, and and, and what he's it, like, my fingers are are stiff. You know, my joints are stiffening up and everything. Can you fix them? And Lyle's yeah. is like, eh, later. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. It's just <laughs> so I, stupid. I will take Titans version of Niles at this point. Uh, yeah, I don't that, get fuck this guy. Fuck, <laughs> fuck Dooms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so good. That's where I'm at with him, anyways. Maybe there's a redemption in season three. We'll see, but we'll see. But I think overall, now I think that Dorothy, Dorothy's still gonna have a big role to play, which is great. I can't wait to see what they have in store for her next in her yeah, character. Yeah. We'll, I can't we'll get to those kind of like our our the, guesses, our guesses, yeah, and theories for season three. But let's kind of get back to maybe Cliff. We'll start with Cliff since we were just talking about him and kind of okay his story. I don't really have a lot to say on Cliff. I understand his anger, obviously. I'm totally fucking team Cliff when it's when I have to choose between him and Niles. Yeah. yeah. Um and I like that the that his daughter So did Niles send Clara the videotapes? Or did or was that Cliff? Um well because I don't know. I don't know. They don't remember. really confront that because when Clara shows up at the manor, she said, Did that man really like she said something along the lines of, Did that man really do these things to you? And I don't know how she got him. My theory is that as part of since Cliff Niles seems surprised. Yes. So my theory is that it was actually Niles that sent the videotapes. Oh. Because he he does feel bad that he fucked all these people's lives he's up. Trying to make amends. And now he's asking them to help him with his daughter's shit and knowing that they are full on pissed off at they him. They don't owe him anything. So I think this is kind of his olive branch. But again, not and maybe whatever, but his way to kind of apologize and start to make amends with Cliff and not this kind of vague, empty promise of giving him sensations, feelings back. Yeah. Um, I feel like that is just uh, um, false hope. I don't sure. know, especially after Silas's kind of uh, assessment yeah. of, of Cliff and just being like, your spare parts, bud. And yeah. he's like, my technology's far too advanced. <laughs> to fix you. <laughs> but you know, I think where the real turnaround moment for him was for Niles and how he's treating Cliff was in, I think it was episode number three, Pain Patrol. Um, this is where we meet. Oh my goodness gracious, folks. I am so sorry. I oh yeah, like the Jack the Ripper. Yes, the um, Jack the Ripper style character. Whose name is I have it written down somewhere in these notes. I just can't seem to find it. But Red Jack. Oh, that's right. Red Jack. His yeah, because he did kind of look like a Jack uh, out of a card deck. Yeah. So I feel like it was this his moments with Red Jack that made him realize what he did to Cliff because Red Jack projects the image into Niles's mind of mm -hmm. that he was just turned into a robot and he mm -hmm. sees his hands. He's like, he doesn't. He's freaking out about it. And I think that that opened up his mind a little more to what he did to Cliff. And now he understands Cliff's anger. 
because this was done against Cliff's will. Mm-hmm. You know, he just did this. So I think from so there maybe we... that's when he decided to send because right now Cliff is over uh, at Clara's. Causing a big ass scene. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but yeah, at her fucking the day of her baby shower. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a good thing he had Jane with her. Uh, well, only until the end. Jane was unconscious in the bus oh, the whole true. time because the yeah. underground's like, hey, time for a change. But fair enough. I, I I I agree. I think that was for Niles his moment to kind of truly understand and 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 get where Cliff was coming from. So th- there is the possibility that I think that after that run in with Red Jack and everything, yeah. that's when Niles maybe sent the videos to Clara. So she had the context that, look, this your dad had n- absolutely no fucking choice in what happened to him and what happened to you. And that opened her up more to the idea. It's like, wow, this giant robot man actually is my father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw those great moments, you know, between those two. I mean, he made her pancakes, mm-hmm. made her sausage with a, a finger. finger inside <laughs> a finger. <laughs> with a finger. Um, but still, at least, at least he noticed changed it. Changed the oil in her car, rotated the, t- like, did all these yeah, things. And he's know, like, oh, you got some laundry? I'm and, you know, and making up the, for last time. And in the end of it, all of that, what he got was an invitation to her wedding. And, you know, for Cliff, that was everything to him mm-hmm. you know and he was going to have a grandson and he was super mm-hmm. excited about it you know you know we started seeing what hopefully will still become the building of a great relationship between him and clara but now with him not being able to go to the wedding mm-hmm. because of some end of the world fucking shit which now i will say though in his defense is probably going to be more believable yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so there is a good chance that clara will say oh okay i believe you yeah but still um he has that re- that moment of reluctancy there where he doesn't want to do it. He's like, right. I don't care about this. I want to go to my daughter's wedding. Mm-hmm. Basically, I have been waiting 30-something years for this moment. And that voicemail he had to leave her was so heartbreaking mm-hmm. because, you know, when he talks, when Brendan Fraser voices Cliff, it's very one-dimensional for the most part. Except for the anger, I feel. The anger is the only part of his Cliff's voice that really stands out more. When he's sad, depressed, or anything like that, his voice gets a little lower. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of a one-dimensional sound to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I don't know. You could just tell... You hear you all the disappointment in his voice when he was leaving yeah. that message. He was heartbroken that Absolutely. he had to do that. And he was af- even more afraid for her. him. He was afraid that he was going to break his daughter's heart. Yeah. Um, I think I think now that Clara has the tapes, she will understand. She has the context that you know his his life is not really his, in in a yeah, sense, right? Um, and I think that because they had a very nice father daughter moment where she was expressing her insecurities uh, about getting married to her partner because she's like fucking. We don't have the best track record. You know, she's like, Bump was on wife number seven. You know, steals don't really do so well. And But and then he said, you're going to be the one to break the mold. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, you have part of your, you know, you're part your mom. And so you got to remember that, too, that it's you're not just all steal, yeah. you know, steal blood and, and a fuck up or whatever. But, yeah, yeah you if anyone's going to break the cycle, it's going to be you. And I love that moment. And, and you also got to remember earlier in the season, too. Uh, Cliff had a flashback when he was still still a human of him interacting with his 
with his father mm -hmm. telling his father, he, you're, you're not allowed at this wedding because his dad's a big fuck up too. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so, we saw a little bit of that in season one. Yeah. That that's where Cliff kind of recited these lines. I, you know, I don't know what happened. I promise to be better. I'll try to be better. That was shit that Cliff said to his wife on the phone the night of the accident yeah. because he heard his dad say that to his mom. God knows how many times. Yeah. You true. know? Um, um but yeah, I thought, and I really loved the moment. It was very, very quick, but um, Clara's getting into her truck to go home. Mm -hmm. And Cliff extends his robot hand out to assist her into the car, and she takes it. Oh, yeah. And then that kind of... And then of, she calls him dad. Yes. She calls him dad. But the taking of the hand kind of goes back to this whole uh, false hope of Niles providing sensation. Cliff has a freak out moment of like... You know, when you're away from someone for so long, you forget what they look like. He's like, I have that with sensations, with feeling, with touch. Yeah. I I remember doing these things, but I don't, but I'm starting to lose like how that actually Felt. feels. Yeah. Could you imagine losing sensation? Like, I think we, we often maybe think about like, oh, if we lost our eyesight or sense of smell or mm -hmm. um, hearing or, mm -hmm. or speech, you know? Do we ever really stop and think about what it would be like to have no feeling whatsoever and only remember what it feels like to hold a hand or to have a hug? I don't think so, because, I mean, it's I mean, it's such a hard thing to not it's such a hard thing to not really think that you can't just naturally have, you know, it's it's one of your senses. It's you, I can't imagine living without one of my, without any mm -hmm. of my senses. And do I, I take my senses for granted. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I think we, um, I think all able-bodied people, you know, you know fully I sensed mean, people do, you know, but you know, like it, it's kind of a hard thing to think about because can I imagine what it would be like to, you know, hold my wife's hand, but not feel her grip, mm -hmm. you know, kiss my wife but not feel her lips I no i can't yeah so you don't i you know there's i don't blame him for his anger mm -hmm. and him trying you know whether it's to get the finger to get the skin or whatever the fuck niles was talking about mm -hmm. to, to yeah. restore sensation going to silas and and being like please if anyone's gonna fucking upgrade me it's gotta be you yeah so i really hope that i don't I don't really see sensations coming back to, to Cliff necessarily because he's a big clunky robot. You don't think so? I think the way I they can figure it out. I don't see it happening, but that doesn't mean I don't want it to happen or that it couldn't. I just... Well, keep in mind... It'll be interesting. Remember when he found the sketches in Niles's office, laboratory, whatever, so sketches of ideas that he that that he had for Cliff. Like there was the giant spider idea, something like that. And there was a blueprint in there to make a robot who could feel. And he confronts him about this. Yeah, he was yep. like, do you think you can do this? And Niles even says, well, like eventually. Round, in a roundabout way, I think... Yeah, I think I can do it with the right parts. Mm -hmm. And and with enough time. But now Niles doesn't have the time because... Well, now all shit, all, all shit has hit the fan. So yep. if anything, that's probably going to be a season four thing. Okay. 
in my opinion, but you know, that's who knows now yeah. they've had, now they have time to create a whole new season with mm-hmm. the, with the early cutoff. So maybe we'll even see that yeah. as a great way to end season three. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Um, like I said, it's not like I don't want it to happen. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I want something good for Cliff to happen. Now, whether you... that's the building a stronger relationship and bond with his daughter or just getting high a little bit, a couple he more des- times. Cliff I want deserves, good things for Cliff. He deserves to get what he, he deserves what he deserves. I mean, I guess he, he, he deserves happiness. He deserves that those not just, he doesn't deserve a moment. Okay. Cliff deserves something for the rest. That's going right. to last the rest of the rest of his robotic life. Cause he'll probably end up living forever now yeah. unless the brain deteriorates, which maybe over time. Do you think will. he could get like Alzheimer's? Yeah. Why not? Whoa. Why not? I mean, a robot with Alzheimer's and Niles isn't going to be shit. around forever. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine, though, being a robot, though, with Alzheimer's? No. You'll eventually just shut down. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, because, you know, people with advanced Alzheimer's are, you know, kind of prone to fits of rage because, you know, their confusion and everything or whatever. Sure. Boy, um, can you but then that? happening to you fucking know what's funny? a robot. They make these comic books, these old man and old woman, old lady comic books. Like, there's old man Logan. There's old lady mm. Harley. You know, these comics about these characters when they're a lot older. Imagine an old man Cliff comic book or just even a series, something about he still looks the same. Yeah. No, physically, that all the aspects there may be a little rustier, but he still looks the same. But the mind has completely shut itself. Well, maybe not shut itself off, but it's the his mind's just not what it was. You know, yeah, he doesn't yeah. remember who he is, but now, you know, I mean, that would be very... He would he that would be sad. That'd be fucked up. Yeah. Let Crazy. me ask. Uh, yeah, bring yeah. us out of this little sad and sad moment. Did you what was your favorite cliff moments in this season? Because I had two moments that really stood out to me. Oh man. Okay, let me well I've I've said it a few times. I was very happy that he got to get high. Yes. Finally feel something. Yes. Do you, you know, just beyond being uh angry robot man. Um I don't, not that I can really think. I mean, okay. his fight with Jesus was <laughs> was pretty sweet. And I can't yes. remember who he says the line to. Maybe it was uh, Kipling. But he says, what the fuck kind of Mike Tyson shit happened to you? <laughs> He's just got the best lines. Yeah. Um, oh, that's what he. That's when they were at the carnival. Yes, and he sees Kipling lay, leaning up against the like the carnival game because Car- he just got into a fight with his imaginary friend, the little puppet. Yep. And, and Rita's like, "Your imaginary no." Cliff said, "Your imaginary friend's a puppet." He's like, "Well, we didn't have bugs cutting bunny or whatever it yep. was yep. in the 15th century." Yep. So that it's was a Punch and Judy puppet. That was good. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, I have two moments with Cliff that I absolutely loved. Um, opposite of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I, they, they were minor, but I love them. One it was when, after he got shot out of the, uh, spaceship and he landed and he ended up in that parking lot, uh, or not parking lot, like, yeah. the, the, you know, <laughs> like the, back behind, yeah, behind the, 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 like where, a tar some store or yeah, something, whatever it was. And that guy rolls up in his car and Cliff has to use his phone. Yep. And before he uses his phone, he has Cliff give shout outs to yep. his friend. One love. <laughs> One love. Oh my God. And then uh, when he was like, oh, that went to voicemail. I have to leave another, I have to call somebody else. He's like, no, you got to do it again. And mm-hmm. then he does it again. I just love the shout out moments. I just thought they were so funny. And they just, were really funny. They were great. But also 
Steel and Stone. Yes. Steel and Stone. Yes, I would I watch a, the shit out of Steel, Steel and Stone. I Steel and Stone TV show so bad. And I would watch the shit out of the, uh, uh, the Cyborg and the Beekeeper yeah. or whichever. Yep, yep. With, with, Rita with Rita and Cyborg. It's so funny that the so idea that they, that, that they both had that same idea. I know. You know? What is it about Cyborg, you know? Well, because compared to them, he's a legit superhero. Well, yeah, he's a part of the Justice League. Yeah, so you know, he's they're got... just like, help us, elevate us, and, you know, teach us. Like, they both want, both Cliff and Rita, when it comes to the superhero aspect, they want to be... They want, they're like Thomas the Tank Engine. They want to be really, really useful and good little engines. <laughs> yeah. And Rita really, and you know what's also pretty interesting this season? Rita and uh, 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 Vic actually bonded a lot more this season mm-hmm. than they did in season one, too. Yeah. And that was really nice. That, you know, Because well, he was, when they were tiny, he was kind of her coach and trying to trying help, to help her. her understand her powers. Yeah, but then he takes off and, and goes back to Detroit, Detroit yeah. and... Because he's got his shit he's working through. His... I think this might be a good segue yeah, into Fuck yeah, into let's Vic. do it. So so he he goes to uh, Detroit to start, or he goes, you know, he's doing like a trauma group yeah. and having... He's just sitting there listening. Yeah, yeah, and he's trying to share, and that's when he meets Ronnie. Yep. Now, I will be completely honest. Both times watching, I really kind of was like, what is the point of this character and this plot. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm very happy that they gave Cyborg a love interest after sure. we saw uh, his failed kind of dating or, you know, app dating attempts uh, in season one. And so I was glad that he found someone that he could just, he could he could be with just be, and, just and be, be comfortable. With. Yeah, absolutely. And someone to help work, help him work through his trauma yeah. and shit as well. Yeah. And so for a little bit, it almost seemed like, okay, so that's kind of this character's purpose and to also maybe remind him of what he really wants and maybe it's more the superhero thing and less relationshipy things. Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm very torn on the whole uh, of Vic and Ronnie uh, storylines this season. I'm going to call them Vronnie. Vrani. We'll call him Vrani. That's their couple name. Um, Although their time with the uh, in the painting and no, high on the on the love dumb, spell, in the dumb idi- patrol. Yes. Oh yeah. Those that was hilarious because they're like, episode. you guys are terrible for each other, and they're like, we know. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like at the end though of that episode where she was, where you know he was saying, I really like you, and she's like, I thought you said you love me. And she looks at him all serious. He looks at her all serious. And she's like, no, nah, I'm just fucking with you, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> and, and, like, you could tell she was not doing that to make him comfortable. She was just fucking with him. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I feel a little different about it. I think that yeah. Ronnie was a good addition to the show. Um, the first time around, I was probably in the same mindset as you are. But with these two watch-throughs, um, I didn't quite understand Ronnie's purpose. Um, and you're right. Ronnie is there for mainly for, you know, for Vic, you know, for Vic to have that love interest. Mm-hmm. But Vic doesn't really have a lot of, I guess I, I guess I'll say moral support um, because his father is his father loves him, but his father's relationship is very complicated. Mm-hmm. His relationship with the gang is just as complicated. You know, he cares about them, but. You know, that's more of his, like, his fighting, his fighting pack. You know, that's, mm-hmm. a, you know, it's, we don't really see him bonding with people in a more personal manner. And I right. like that we get that with Ronnie. I agree. Um, and so we get to see this side of Vic come out that we haven't been exposed to yet. And also on top of that, Ronnie is 
just as traumatized from her experiences as he is. You know, she's done some super fucked up shit with her time in the military. And, you know, in order for her to be able to have a relationship with him, she needed to him to know that. Mm -hmm. So when she sent that picture of her to him of standing on the tank with all the bodies underneath, looking all proud and shit. I have this issue with the military. I don't know if you have any military members in your family. So I mean, no offense by it or to any listeners in the military, but I have a love hate relationship with the military mm -hmm. and what they stand for. But it's shit like that, that I hate. Right. Absolutely. And there is a lot of that in mm -hmm. the military. Um, but anyways, um, I loved that she has she she lives with it in a way where she knows that it's wrong. Like it's one of those things that are going to torture her for the mm -hmm. rest of her life. But she she at least can accept to herself that what she did was not was not right. But she can't have personal relationships without the people she wants those relationships with to know about her past. And that's important because Vic doesn't have that kind of honesty in mm -hmm. his life. So I think it's hard for him at first, which is why he walks away from it mm -hmm. when he sees the picture. But then he comes back because he realizes what she was doing there, you know, and I think she ended up being really good for him. Yeah, I mean, at I least agree. at least at the beginning, um, it wasn't until, you know, Vic start, scanned her body because when she opened up to him that she was basically also a military experiment yep. for, di for, for different tech, you know, they gave her these abilities. And then they took them away. And then they took them away. And, Ripped them right out of her. And because of that, Vic discovered when scanning her that she is slowly dying. Mm -hmm. You know, and she knew it. Yeah. She's being poisoned. This, uh... She's a very like aware and she you can tell this this character has done the a lot of self-work, you know, to get past her traumas and everything, you mm -hmm. know, dealing with the shit that the military dealt with uh did to her, dealing with the death of her mom because you know Cyborg automatically assumed that what she was sharing in group when he arrived late was military related. Mm -hmm. And she's like, "No, it's about my mom dying." Mm -hmm. And so it's not that I didn't like the character because she's she's clearly she's strong she's smart she's independent she knows how the world works she's willing to give people a second chance you right, know the right. the, yeah, the, the guy that mugged absolutely. her and so I kind of like that little back and forth between her and Cyborg where his what ifs of well what if, were the extreme negative what if he kills somebody what if the next time isn't just a robbery and she counters with the with more positive what ifs of what if this is his last time he does this? What if he goes on to do something great? Yeah. So I loved that she kind of throws in Cyborg's face that it isn't always going to be black and white, yeah. you know, good and bad guys, you know, good guys, bad guys, heroes, villains. And, and I think that kind of put Vic in a position to kind of maybe question what he thinks to be right and righteous well, and heroic. Right, because it, we have the moment in the alleyway where she's being mugged and just by, like, some kid. Remember? Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about yeah, is this okay. scene. So they're, yeah, okay. they've walked away from each other. Yeah. They've had a nice time. And we see in the background, because we're, we're getting a foreshot of, um, straight on shot of Cyborg. So we see in the background, she gets jumped. He oh, goes right, right. to try and, quote, save her, but she kicks dude's ass. Um, yeah. And then they have that whole conversation. Because he's saying the cops are on the way yep. now. And, and she's, she's like, like, I didn't ask you to do that. No, this, 
And she was like, get, you know, this kid needs another chance. And he's like, well, according to this, he's had three chances. Mm-hmm. And, or this would be a third chance. And she was like, okay, then it's a third chance, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like that. Because um, she is she is hopeful. Yeah. Right? There, there's a quote that she actually, there's a line she has um, that I really like. Um, but it's, I believe this only up to a certain extent. Where she says, I don't judge a person by the worst thing they've ever done. Yeah. And I believe up to a certain extent... Yes, that is true. Yeah. That is absolutely true. You can't... If the worst thing you did was com- commit first degree murder, you know, implying intent, yeah, I'm a judge you on that. <laughs> there are there are there are certain lines where that where that where shit gets drawn, absolutely. But I think I think it was a very powerful line because mm-hmm. we are human beings. We fuck up and sometimes oh, yeah. we fuck up real bad. Like we do things that are gonna hurt other people, but and- and Sometimes cyborg, it's not intentional. And Cyborg needed to hear that line and or a line similar to that because he was still dealing with the guilt of nearly beating the shit out of his, out of his dad. Out yeah. of his dad. Yeah, right. And then it's almost like that self-reflective moment of do I judge myself based on my worst mistake, knowing that right. it wasn't entirely my fault, that right. I was still a victim of, of manipulation. And in a show full of... I don't know if you want to call them metas, whatever, whatever, whatever we want to call them. Is that what they call? Do they call themselves they mention They mention okay. meta in the show, but I personally don't consider like Cliff a meta. I don't consider Jane really a meta. Um, well, she's. I mean, she has that ability, but I don't know. I don't. Con- I don't consider Cliff a meta, but I would consider Jane, Larry, and Rita to be metas. When I think of metas, I think of the Star Labs accident. But I mean, right, and where people got random powers. But I guess if we're talking overall people with powers, then we're just referring meta-humans. to them as meta humans. Yeah. Then fine. Cliff, maybe not so much, but he's yeah. in his own separate category. But anyways, yeah. what I'm going at with that is. In a show that focuses so much on, you know, on metahumans, it was a very human thing mm-hmm. to say. I mean, I'm sure I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. No, nope, never. Never once. Never. Nope. We're Perfection. perfect. We're perfect. <laughs> you know, just, just like those moms we see on Instagram. Yeah. You know, they're perfect. <laughs> we never get character name wrong, name, nope. names wrong or nothing. <laughs> but I just, I really liked that line because mm-hmm. it really reflected what... I think we as people should really try to understand about others. Yeah, is that, I, I agree. You know. All right, you changed my mind. You sold me on Ronnie. Yeah. We'll see where this goes because she now, she ends Ronnie up jacking the some of the idiot or you know whatever the pure uh, joy after they go into the painting after they're <laughs> now struck that with episode the love was, bugs. Fun, was a lot of fun. But real quick, just another thing about Ronnie is like at the end though. We see the split between Ronnie and, and and Vic, which I'm I'm interested to see where that goes because, you know, Vic basically tells Ronnie, "I have to take you in for killing this guy because she went she murdered that dude. I don't mm-hmm. remember his name, but she murdered him, mm-hmm. that military dude for what he did to her." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "You know, the Vic being Vic, he's like, I can't let you get away with this. He's like, I borderline love you, but I you can't. Right. I have to turn you in." And then out of nowhere, Ronnie tosses him across the room mm-hmm. breaking the tables that he's climbing so she still got some of those abilities in her that power now i was wondering about that does she still did she still have lingering um abilities you know so. lingering a little bit of like that superhuman strength or when she went and killed that guy did she steal some shit because by this point she's already stolen the well, idiot juice well that's the thing we're not going to know that we're not. We are not going to know because yeah, the cops found that vial mm-hmm. at the guy at the dude's house. Uh, but 
yeah, we're not going to know that until the next season. And yeah. they have to address it. There's no oh, yeah. way they can't address that. That's my theory, is that when she she went and killed that guy, and whether it was part of the original plan or not, she jacked some super and serum. she was going to, I think, legitimately, she was actually running, she was going to kill him. She was going to kill Cyborg. Um, but then he had to pull out his cannon on mm-hmm. her. He had no choice. He had mm-hmm. to defend himself. And that's when she was like, I'm going to go away. Yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. Cause she didn't want to die. And she knew at that moment she was, she was beaten. Now I kind of feel like with the Ronnie character at this point. So if we're looking at how this season ended as truly like a more of a mid season finale coming back and say, we would have gotten those next four or five episodes. I could see, I could have, I could see where Ronnie could have maybe come back as a bit of a villain. Sure. Right. Not, not a full villain, but just someone on that other moral side of cyborg. Yeah, right? sure. So not not a true villain, you know, like you think of like fucking Joker or anything like that. Right, but... someone who doesn't want to see the world burn, but they want to get revenge for what's happened to them. Right. Right, but they're going about it in the total wrong way. Exactly. Right. So, and then, and then within those four or five episodes, we would have gotten kind of that explanation of her enhanced powers, whether they maybe were gotten leftovers some bat- or... Maybe I actually gotten some bat- real backstory, some flashbacks. Right, exactly. I know you're a sucker for flashbacks. I love me some flashbacks. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how they're going to wrap up the, the run, because I, I honestly don't think we're done with her yet. I think that... I think we're done with her when she dies. I think she will die. I think if this was a full season, had this been a full season... We would have had. Ron, I don't think Ronnie would be back for next season. No, I think I, she would I, have died. I think she would have too. But this actually gives the writers an opportunity here to do something more with the character. Mm-hmm. So I, you have to think over the last year with COVID and everything going on that the writers of the show have had an opportunity to go back and look at the mm-hmm. last few episodes they probably had not yet started filming. Yep. And said, okay, what can we do differently? Right. I would think so, at least. I would hope so. so at least go, yeah, take that time. Because what the fuck else are they going to do? Exactly. Let's, let's go over a fine tooth comb and overthink everything we wrote and, so, and planned on shooting. Yeah. But, but I, I, I'm curious to see how you, you've sold me a bit more on the Ronnie character. And I like do like that in this season, we got to know Vic a little more, the more humane side right. of Vic. Yeah. You know? And I just like that. I, I really, I really love how they portray his character. Again, I'll, I'll say, I've said this on the last recording. I'll say it again. This is the best portrayal of Cyborg I have ever seen. Now, what did you camera. think of the Cyborg uh, in the Snyder version, in the Snyder cut? What a Justice League? Yeah, trash, trash. Snyder version, Snyder cut, the four-hour one is the same. Is the same actor. No, but his his arc though was different. He had more of a role. His role in the shitty I, short version okay. was very just kind of it wasn't as involved. Whereas his story and I think the Flash's story in the Snyder version improved. Um, I have to be honest with you. I'd have to watch it again. I really I. I so the Snyder version of Justice League, um, I was in and out of. Because did you try watching it all at once? I did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. And I, at some point I woke up and I don't remember uh-huh. when it was. Yep. And I have not gone back to see what I've missed. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I didn't rewind it because I'm pretty sure I must have passed out at like the one hour and like 45 minute mark. And next thing I know, I'm like two hours and like 50 minutes in or three hours in or something like that. I don't know. I really enjoyed, I liked the Snyder version much better than the Whedon shit. Um, I thought they did a much, much better job with Cyborg's character, Mm -hmm. Flash's 
arc because mm-hmm. in the Whedon version, he's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just really fast and I just push people. He's got a lot more confidence. Yeah. And, and Cyborg is a lot more of kind of the, the things I read was that Cyborg's character in the Snyder version is more of the heart of of the of the movie, oh. and a much Boy, bigger role. I feel really bad saying what I just said. No, no, you I feel you like, should, and oh. you should go back okay. and rewatch it, okay. and then apologize to Ray Fisher I, 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 <laughs> personally. I, Ray Fisher, him a nice I apologize letter. in advance, <laughs> but I I can't promise you anything. But you know, I didn't mean to doubt your abilities. <laughs> <laughs> it was just better overall. Um, okay. The only parts per, for me personally that were kind of the slower. Ones where were the uh, Superman and Lois moments until he came back and was like, "Really, there were many great Superman moments in the movie. Definitely not seeing the black suit. Superman was really cool, but uh, yeah, I mean, he was he's still a bit more of a side character. I think Cavill has done so much better roles than Superman. In my opinion, I do like him as Superman. I'll allow it." Okay. He's not my favorite Superman, I don't, but I mean, I'll I'm allow not saying it. they should recast him. No, um, I th- I still think he could do a good job. It's just that I haven't been completely impressed. You know who I think was the best live action Superman? Uh, Dean Cain from the Adventures of Lois wow. and Clark. Really? Early '90s. I know what you're fucking talking flare. about. Now no. you gotta go. <laughs> well, folks, this has been Doom Patrol season two. <laughs> I've been We're Eric. ending it unsatisfactory. <laughs> no, <laughs> and and um, I disagree. I grew up with Christopher Reeves, and so Christopher Reeves will always be my well, Superman. Reeves is classic, of course. Yeah, and just like Gene Hackman will always be my Lex. Can I say why I like Dean Cain though? Do you want to hear? Fine. Dean Cain's just a fun actor. He's he doesn't take his roles too seriously. You know and you he's know like what? a super Republican piece of shit. What's that got to do with him playing Superman? In the early Everything. 90s. Everything. No, it doesn't. <laughs> to do. You know what? I'll be honest. I haven't watched the show since I was like 10. So if I go back and watch it now and I see little hints of like. I don't know if there was any shit GOP like that, rhetoric in it. Then, okay. I will change my mind. Plus, he's gone all in, I guess, and in I the last Terry four years. Hat, Terry, that was yeah. a big show for Terry Hatcher. That yeah. actually is what, 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 what really got her feet off the ground, I think, in TV. See, and I watched that show. And I loved it. And I used to have like the biggest crush on Dean Cain when I was younger. I used to have the biggest crush on Terry Hatcher. But so I don't think he's the best live action Superman, small or big screen. You know what? Honestly, if I go back and watch the show now, I will very, very likely change my mind. Probably. Um, um what's oh uh, fuck. Brandon Routh, uh or Roth, maybe, R-O-U-T-H. Uh he's Was he what, was he the same guy from the from from uh the Legends Legends of Tomorrow? Yep. Uh yeah, he plays uh, uh um uh the Adam. Yes, but yeah. he also portrayed he was, he was Superman. Super, he played Superman too. Yeah, there was actually an episode in Legends where yes, there know. was a crossover, and I that know. was great. I love Legends, and I actually have in my note that there's there's one line in Doom Patrol where Larry says, "Eh, we just, you know, we we try and fuck things up, but everything kind of works out in the end." And I busted out laughing. I was like, <laughs> "Y'all an R-rated Legends, straight up. The Legends go in, they fuck shit up, and then they gotta fix it because uh. they broke it." You guys are very, very much that same kind of level in terms of like superheroes are you that are trying. Caught up on Legends. Not the current season. Okay, so then you did see the Woodstock episode. I loved the Woodstock Hell episode. Yes. <laughs> um, I love that show so, so fucking much because... 
My wife aside from aside it. from the first season, the first couple seasons are a little rocky because they're trying to figure out what they were gonna do, and then well, um, there was too many Doctor Who references too with uh, uh with Ar- with Arthur Duvall's character, and yeah, yeah, which which on one hand kind of made me chuckle because I was like, oh Rory, you fucking centurion in your long jacket now and your time travel. Did they call him Rory in that? No, he was just no. called the Doctor or something like that. No, or Doctor something. Was he no, no. Why do I feel like there was a Doctor? What? I don't know. Am I going crazy? In the originally in the first season? Wait, how the fuck did we start talking about talking about Legends of Tomorrow? Uh, it's all DC related. <laughs> but anyway, so Brandon Routh, yes, he was Adam. He also played a uh, Superman in a crossover episode yep. of you know with the Arrowverse. Yep. But yes, he also portrayed uh, played Superman in a live action movie that I think he only did. Uh, what was it? Uh, Superman Returns. Oh, okay. Okay, sure. And I thought he did a really good job, and I thought he was a really good. I haven't um, watched that movie in a really long time. A, I, I, I thought I he was a really good it. Superman. I owned the DVD uh, a long time ago, so I, when I bought, so when I, if I bought it, I must have liked it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd give it a sh- another shot. I'd watch it again. I, I would too. I love him. And I think he's a he's a homegrown Iowa boy. So hey, right all right. Border. Anyways, so we still have a couple more people to go through. We got Larry um, and Rita. Let's go to Rita. Let's talk about Rita. Let's talk about Rita. Rita Lovely Fall. Rita. I love Rita so fucking much, and I, I'm a little disappointed that her shit isn't hasn't picked up pace. You know, like her arc, her getting her controlling her powers, and her working through. Her shit. I yeah. feel like by the time season one ended, we got a little farther with Jane and Miranda in that storyline. Yeah, uh, we got a little bit farther with even um, Cyborg and and Ronnie. Yeah, but I feel like we're kind of stalled out. See, on Rita, Rita, Rita. I feel like we're. I think with Rita, we're just trying. The writers are probably just trying to build a backstory for her. And now I don't think the idea of what they did with her backstory is necessarily a bad idea. She's traumatized by the idea of what her mother had to do to get Rita apart in a movie mm-hmm. by having sex with that producer. I just feel like it's it was a little bit of a cop-out. Um, as far as having it be the overall just dread that's over that she has over her is what her mother did when she was 10 years old mm-hmm. you know or as like the beekeeper lady the actual beekeeper lady said it's just you know your mom didn't realize that what she was doing to you was you know crippling you with self-doubt right and you know because like like do you think her do you think her mother did this more than once because we only see mm-hmm. the one well we, we really only see it happen one time we only see it happen the one time but that's and i think regardless of how many times it may have happened this one time is is the trigger was the trigger in the root of, of rita's trauma well, so i think it's yeah. kind of regardless of how many times it happened well we do think back to see the season one conversation we had when we were talking about when rita went to go have sex with the producer herself and then she ended up blobbing out all over him you know obviously she she probably you know in the back of her mind that's how her mother got her parts that's how she probably thinks she can the only way she can get her parts because her mom straight up tells her she's just like basically like don't worry about you know acting and and being a good actor or show person like you've got other talents focus on those basically like look you're gonna need to use your pussy to get 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 ahead in life because you know for that time and even now 
That's the way a lot of shit, unfortunately, fucking works. Yeah, true. So it sucks that they had to reduce themselves to just the, sex, you know. And the problem is, is that they can't pull themselves out of it at this no. point. Not, it's there. That is canon now. So what do, what do they do? How do they progress Rita from here? Well, I think a great step was with the beekeeper mm -hmm. because it's starting to make her more comfortable in her skin and with her abilities. And the fact that we see her throughout the entire series of, well, the entire season two, uh, try to hone her abilities and being able to met and uh, uh, control them. And that's, that's great. That's mm -hmm. what we need from Rita. And I think we're eventually the whole thing about her, like having visions of seeing her mother and things like that. I, I don't think we're going to have that for too much longer. I, no, I, that I was clearly just a, an, yeah, a nightmare. I, I don't think so. I think we're, we're I, what, what I think is going to happen is that we're going to focus more on Rita becoming an actual hero. Mm -hmm. And maybe by season three, maybe by mid season or so, Rita will be able to completely control her powers you know, stop herself from blobbing out when things get emotional, mm -hmm. you know, become... Because she's she's done a very good job of controlling the, the blobbing out when she gets overly emotional. It's just that sometimes she has to still cover her right. face, right? So she's... Had this been the full season, and again, treating this as like the mid-season mark, mm -hmm. we've got, you know, at the carnival and, and the um, imaginary friends... Mm -hmm. Rita, it seemed like this was Rita's real moment to confront her past with her imaginary yes. paper doll friend. Because she's oh, like, I gave you her eyes, her mother's eyes, because I always loved them. What was her name? Mademoiselle Roxy, I think it was? Something. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, and then she got covered in wax and everything. Yeah. So I think, I, I think that may have been the moment for Rita. You know, she was hoping it was going to be yelling at the bees. She was hoping that it was going to be just, um, you know, Flex helping her uh, with the mental block yeah. and not the orgasm necessarily. But I think this is the moment that for Rita where we are going to start seeing, again, had this been a full season, we would have seen that shift in her to be able to start to control because her block is her mother, and she needs to confront it. And throughout this season, she's done so little by little, though. And I don't really like that. I would have loved yeah. to see her literally screaming at the bees. We see major transitions with a lot of the characters on this show. You know, you know, Cliff with his daughter, mm -hmm. Larry with his sons. Hell, even uh, Vic, you know, finding, lo fi finding, finding love. You know, we it, hell even Niles with his daughter. Why not? Mm -hmm. We see these major, major transitions for our characters. But you're right with Rita. They're minor transitions, but they're they're a lot of minor transitions. They, they are. But it's just that it's nothing that's going to truly stick out like what they have with right. all the other characters, which is a shame. Now, I also wonder, too, if that's just the progression, how the character Rita would progress because of being so kind of uh, like repressed and not confronting any of her blobbiness over these last 60 years and just yeah. kind of hiding. She sure. doesn't know how to confront this stuff. No. So no. I, I get that. And that maybe that's why her character is taking more baby steps in, in their, in her progression and her, right. and her right. healing. But I, I really fucking hope that season three, some shit picks up for her, for Rita in terms of controlling her powers and confronting her, her past and yeah. accepting it for what it is. And just, and you know, through it all, 
even even with the way that she's been she she's been written so far and the you know from season one all the way up until now, the one thing that I love about her character that just hasn't changed is the elegance of mm-hmm. Rita. She's such a she's such a lady. She is. I, and and, I adore her. You know, I adore Rita Fa. She is. She she she's she's a fun character to really watch on screen. She's a great actress. I mm-hmm. I, I know I know you're better with the actors and actresses names than I am. April Bowlby. Okay. She is a she is a really good actress, and she really has that look to her, that classic, what I would call grandma look. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, and I I think you're right. I think we are going to get more out of Rita. In I really three. hope so. And I really I really hope so too, because I want to see her start to take charge and lead the way for the team. Absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else I had. I can't find many um, on on Rita. But yeah, it's that's basically where I'm at. Is I love her to pieces. I want more for her. I want better for her, mm-hmm. and I want her storyline to maybe kind of, at least pacing wise, catch up to some of the other characters. Right, right. I agree. And you know, she has her play with the community theater. You know, and it's good that she actually has that because at least it gives her she's doing something she loves Mm -hmm. and that's really nice. So it's good to see her getting back out there into the world. Right. And I think she almost needs something a little humbling like community theater. Yeah. You know, she spent all these years just wanting to be loved and adored and admired and all these things that she was, you know, and then pining for them you know, kind of for that admiration for the last 60 years. Eh, she's starting from scratch now, and that's all right. True. And I And I do love that she's not afraid to go out and put herself out there like that now. You know, they spent all these last 60 years hiding. Now she's like, fuck it. I'm going to do some shit. I, I, I want these things. I just don't know how to achieve and them. And you know what? She also, she went to, she, she went to great lengths just to, even save that one guy in the alley, you know, as mm-hmm. the as the beekeeper, you know, that was great. And then she goes to Cyborg when after Ronnie kills that guy, she goes she just, she goes with him, and the, one of the cops like, "Who are you?" She's like, "I'm the beekeeper. Mm-hmm. Maybe you read about me." And she's like, "No." no. And, but see again, Rita's still needing some sort of like fame and acknowledgement. Maybe you've heard of me. Like, what do they no, what do they call it? They they call her like the side avenger or something like that they re- they make some sort of avenger reference know. to her i don't remember oh you're right they uh, did fuck well i don't remember uh, i can't remember what they called her but um yeah i don't really have a whole lot more to add about rita it's just that rita had a we love the character but it's just a shame that for what this season was it was a subpar uh season for rita but hopefully mm-hmm. it opens up to a much better Mm-hmm. something much bigger in yeah. season three. So hopefully this there's is just definitely little, that opportunity there. Yeah. Hopefully this is just a bit of foundation yeah. so we can build a nice, sturdy, strong Rita. Absolutely. <laughs> Which then I think that leads us to the final member of our gang. The one we love the most is Larry. Larry. Oh, we have such a soft spot for Larry. I think my one of my first notes on Larry is... You know, like the little, he's making the mini pancakes and everything. And yeah, I was just like. He took such good care of them. I was just like, oh, may the gods forever bless Larry. Yeah. He got the dropper and the syrup. But then we get like immediately after that or something, we get a flashback to him being a shitty father. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> oh, you're talking about with, with the rocket? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'll allow it because you were a closeted, repressed gay man in the. In the 1950s. In the 50s. Yeah. And you were doing shit the way you thought men and dads had to be. I'm not 
you saying can, that that's you okay, cannot, but I can but understand. But you cannot fully hold it against him right. either. Right. Larry's story continues from season one, just kind of like how it was in season one. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's becoming a little more accepting, or actually a lot more accepting of himself. I shouldn't say a little more. Yes. Um, and of the negative spirit. And of the negative spirit. We see him in the negative spirit, actually kind of right at the beginning of the ser- of the season, you know, working together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was great. Larry's season was kind of a big eye-opener for him. Or not eye-opener, I'm sorry, that was the wrong term. It was more of a... I understand the irony of what I'm about to say, but I, I'm going to say it because it's all I can think of. It was more mm-hmm. of a coming out moment for him, okay? Because mm-hmm. he opened himself up more to his family. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big part of this season, was Larry interacting with his real family and mainly his son. His last living son. His last living son, Paul. Paul. Um, going to, uh, it starts with him going to the funeral of his other son. Well, um, it starts with uh, Negative Spirit showing Larry at what I assume was present day Gary before he died, before oh, he committed yep. suicide. Mm-hmm. And Larry kind of having that moment with Gary, similar to when Larry had that moment with John last season, uh, like in that bar or whatever yeah, in the hotel yeah. and stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah, because Gary always theorized that his father was still alive based mm-hmm. on the things that his mother said, because yep. his mother never believed he was dead. And what kind of twist was that to find out that uh, Larry's ex-wife fell down the um, government conspiracy cover-up rabbit hole? Yeah, like they they true. had a strained relationship. Obviously, she she had a feeling that you know that that Larry was game mm-hmm. and but it didn't seem like she left him because she hated him or she had anger or really any resentment it was just she she had to move on but they never really go they don't go into that into too deep no detail they don't why she would why, why she felt that way we just know that she influenced Gary to believe it mm-hmm. and Paul Thought well, Paul said something about somebody. I think it was someone that she maybe dated for a while, or that Ooh, was in that was right. into it, and you're then got right. them all into it. Yes. And then Paul, kind of being, I guess, the older one and not buying any of yeah. that shit. You are absolutely right. Oh, I forgot about away. that. Okay, so they did go into a little bit of history. It was just a con- in, in conversation. Yeah. Still, but at least we know it was because it was somebody put it into the thoughts into her mind, mm-hmm. and she bought into that. Which, unfortunately, we see a whole lot of that today in things that actually are not true. So, uh, but in this case, I'm glad it panned out. Um, yeah, I mean, Larry with, you know, conf- going, to his, going to his son's funeral, mm-hmm. you know, and pulling himself together to confront his living, last living son, Paul, you know, to speak to him. Something that, well... Paul confronted him, I guess, because Larry was at the casket. Paul walked over to him, asked if he knew him. Mm-hmm. And then when he spoke, Paul was like, say something again. Yep. And he recognized his father's voice. Yep. And he, at that moment, was like, you know, he said, like, hi, Paul, or something like that. Or, yeah, or he's you just know, like, yeah, I'm dad. your dad. Yeah. He's just like, yep. <laughs> you so, got me. And it was such a, <laughs> and, and for a little bit there, it was a great moment. It really was. It was a hard moment because now his eldest son is a senior citizen probably only a few years away from death himself you know but still at least he has this time to maybe just have a little bit of 
mm-hmm. little bit of catch and, up with his son and kind of reconnect with his family now yeah. and then we find out that you know Paul invites Larry to come over to the house mm-hmm. uh, not just for like the post funeral wake but I think something else too to They're help like clean, clear, up clean up his out. things yeah and he and goes into the barn goes in the barn he sees all the things the rocket and everything yeah. that Gary had made that Larry was original and I love that he owns I love that Larry owns that he was an asshole. He knows that he wasn't a great. He wasn't yeah. a good father. He and, knows it. And and I love I and I love that he owns it because I think that helps him to continue his uh, journey of you know self discovery whatever. Um, so that may I'm I'm always really happy to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like I was a shitty father and a just a shitty person. You know what though? Personally, I don't think he was a shitty father. I don't think he was a shitty person. He was a person put in a shitty. He was Larry was born in the wrong time period. You know, that's the thing. Larry was brought up in an age where you can't be an you. open homosexual. Yeah. You know, and being the and the idea of being a homosexual with children also probably just also at, at that time period considered a double whammy. Oh um, yeah, cuz you know, yeah. But yeah. But Sorry. I was going to tangent. I was like, no, no. No, it's all good. It's all good. I just, I just don't think that he was, he did the best that he could with the hand that he was dealt at the time that it was given to him. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, for him and for anybody really who grew up in that time period, you know, who was, you know, who, who's a homosexual, you being yourself, Especially probably depending on where you lived, mm-hmm. too, had a probably had a, even a bigger role to do with it. But still, anywhere in America, for that matter, yeah. in the 1950s, it's still seen as such ta- is so taboo, mm-hmm. you know? Covering up who you are for most of your life, it's got to be the hardest thing anybody can do. Yeah. You know? And people still do it today, and it's such... And you it know, sucks. when I say Larry was a shitty dad, I don't mean that he was, like, abusive or intentionally shitty. It's like, yeah, he was dealing with all these... He loved ...closeted, repressed emotions. He just didn't know how to express it. Yeah. You know? And I think that that one flashback we get with him and the kid and the rocket, I think there's plenty of fucking people out there that has had a similar experience with a parent or um the kid caregiver. wants to do something nice and then the dad the and then it gets nitpicked like, to shit instead of just being like oh wow it's amazing exactly and that's and his wife was in the right right there to say he absolutely. tried to do something nice for you mm-hmm. and, and that that was a larry asshole moment it yes. absolutely was and he's like well now we'll and i get that he tried to kind of make amends and be like we'll build one together but we'll do it the right way like uh, you're like the right you're taking a step forward, but then a couple of steps back in this whole scene. It was right. kind of hard to kind of cringy. Right. And you know, you feel bad for his son right there because his son mm-hmm. tried because what was that? Like the day or the week in which like, he was going to go off into space. Yep. Something like that. So, and you know, that... he may not have been worried about the mission, but he, you know, someone in that position should always have in the back of the mind something can possibly go wrong. And Larry, even though he was living in a time where he had to hide who he truly was, also at the same time, Larry was a was a bit hot headed. He because oh, of yeah. who he his name and who he was and what he did, he Captain Larry Trainer. Yeah, the thing is, is that he used that name to his advantage to, you know, I guess uh, make himself look like a, a, a this huge status figure in 
that part of the world that he was in, the, the aviation the space, world, space, yeah. military, whatever. Um, but still, there comes with risks. So if you only have a few, a day or two or whatever before something so risky, take whatever loving moments you can mm-hmm. with your family. That's where I'm going with all of this. Yeah. <laughs> is he really should have just taken that moment with his son and be like, I love it. Thank you. He he definitely took his family for granted. And he, he realizes that and he feels bad and he wants to try and make amends. And so he agrees to go and help clean out. And I mm-hmm. love that Rita went and I love all of Rita's day drinking throughout this season too. Cause she got oh, had, yeah. had several <laughs> beers with the beekeeper. Yeah. But, uh, I, how, how did you feel about Paul then kind of confessing that, you know, I thought I was beyond all of this, and then I saw you, and it just brought everything back up again. So I done called the feds. We're talking about a man who felt betrayed by his father. So we have to understand things from Paul's perspective. I don't think what Paul did was a dick move. Mm-mm. I don't. Now, could he have probably done it a little differently? Yes, he could have. But we're talking about a man who probably from the time he was like 12 years old, all the way up until he's like 75 or however he old, how old he is now, lived without a father, li- uh, lived with under the impression his father was dead, lived also with the fact that his mother and his brother and this man his mother brought into their life had conspiracy theories that father was alive. Mm-hmm. Him escaping all that was what he needed to feel at peace with his life. Then all of a sudden, here comes Larry Trainer just back in out of fucking nowhere, mm-hmm. unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. I mean, how would you react to that? Poorly as well. You know, I think, <laughs> you know, we have to understand, Paul has his own family. He has his son. He mm-hmm. has his grandkids, you know. He has made a life for himself without him. And, and, you know, from what I can tell from the couple episodes we had with him, it turned out just fine. Um, and you know, it was really fucked up. He mentioned that he went into the military because he thought he was honoring his mm-hmm. father too. And now he felt like in a way, I think he kind of got the impression he felt like his whole military career was just a bit, but was based on a lie. Yeah. So I that's don't bl- a lot of, that's a lot of fucking emotions in like a 24 hour period to try and, and navigate. And you're dealing with, you just buried your brother, yeah. you know, who committed suicide you know, which we can assume was a part of the whole conspiracy, you know, him following the conspiracy stuff or whatever. Or maybe he just started going a little mad. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so I don't blame him for contacting the Department of Normalcy. But at the same time, I don't think he should have contacted the Department of Normalcy because I don't think he realized what they were they would have done to him. Oh, no, he had, he had no fucking clue. Um, I think if he had an idea of what they would have done to like what they did to Larry in season one, you know. Um, if they would have, if he would have known, he wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. He probably would just said, "Get out of here! Don't ever come back! I don't yeah. ever want to see you again." Something, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, he dealt I, with it with the way that he thought he had to deal with it. I completely agree. You know, the first time watching it, I was like, "Oh man, Paul!" You know, because we know we've got the context. I mean, I bet even when you watched it the second time around, you, you mean, I was too. I was like, "Man, why'd you call them?" A little bit, but, but I, I was it. like, I, I, I definitely understood it more from Paul's perspective and also kind of deal considering that everything we just said you know it's within 24 hours of realizing that his father is still alive 24 hours of burying his fucking brother who didn't die of old natural causes Mm -hmm. but took his own life like that's fucking traumatic yeah so i i definitely like i yeah i definitely understood it um yeah i didn't like it but that's beyond the the point 
I'm going to I'm going to kind of flip the script a little bit on this because from season 1 on to now, Larry's story is just so sad. And if you and as much as you and I love Larry, we don't have a lot of real true like real shining moments with Larry, but when they stick out they're amazing, okay? Mm-hmm. And there was this great moment this season that I loved. It was in Episode 7, Dumb Patrol. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you might know where I'm going with this. Maybe. <laughs> so, they've opened the box. They're all under the spell of the... What are they called? The Snarks? The, oh, I, it's... The little pink guys. The little pink eunuchs. What are they called? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the they're called... Idiots? No, no. They st- it starts with an S. starts with an S. I want to say it's like Snarks. Oh, whatever it is. Uh, scants. 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 That's right. That's it. Scants. They are under the the the, the uh, uh, influence of the scants. And, you know, they're all doing their bad, bad ideas. And Larry is talking to Miranda. And Larry's like, Miranda, is, can you do me a favor? Can you bring Flip up for me? I, 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 I have a favor to ask. And this is the first time we ever truly meet Flip. Flint? Flit? flit? Is it Flit or Flip? Flit. Is it flit? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was flip with a P. Mm. You sure? Yeah. Closed caption. Unless, ah, clo- unless closed caption gets it wrong, shit. which they sometimes do. Okay. All right. Flit? Yes. F-L-I-T? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, then he, he asked for flit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the teleporting one. The teleporting one. <laughs> and I love flit's look. She's got the jewels along her eyes. Mm-hmm. She's like got the really heavy makeup. Her hair is super big. You know, I love it. And he... Asks her to take him. This is when Paulie finds out Paul's at the hospital. And him and Flit go to the hospital together. At first, they just go up to the counter to say, you know, to say they need to see Paul. And then there's the Department of Normalcy, which for some reason is at the fucking hospital. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're there. But then Well, because Paul's there, so they're waiting to see if... Oh. Oh, Larry I guess shows so. up. I guess so. But then Flick gets them out. And then Paul, they like, they're transported to somewhere else in the hospital. And he's like, wait a minute. I have an idea. And, he puts and all on they a, do is they put on I loved doctor's that. coats. They're so, having keyboard or not keyboards, uh, clipboards. Yes, I oh. love that. I wrote that down too. I, I was like, I love moment. that he just like puts on a doctor's coat. Oh. Like that's going to hide like the anything. Yeah, And it's I like know. he even buttons like the, the doctor's coat. So it's over like his coat that's got like the furry collar and it's like buttoned under that, you know, so the furry collar is like the, the lapel uh, over it. It was such um, a, it, it was just such a laugh out loud moment. It really and was. And even just seeing Flit just like that too, you know, <laughs> jewels, but doctor's coats, yep. clipboard. Yep. And they're walking through the hospital. I love that they walk, they're doing it with all the confidence and conviction of like, oh yeah, we're nailing it. We're pulling this off. Right. Like, no, because when you see them, People are just like, the fuck? <laughs> uh, so that that was actually like my top moment for Larry this season, just because it's just one. Of, I love his laugh out loud moments. Mm-hmm. I really do. And that mm-hmm. that that was definitely one, that was definitely the best one for me. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I love Larry. I felt bad for him, but I love that he's not going to necessarily give up on his family because he told uh, Moscow, you know, from the of the pioneers. Ah. And I don't want to go too far off the rails with with those guys yeah. but i love that we're introduced to the negative spirit woman yeah and 
how she is like, oh, yo, you got one of those? I got one of those. Mm-hmm. Or we've got, you know, blah, blah, and blah. And she, she learned to hone it within five years. Within five years. Yeah. So just think of how fucking amazing Larry could have been had he been able to work on honing it and work on not needing the bandages like Moscow needed. So I'm really kind of hoping that for next season, we see Larry progress more in working with the negative spirit and achieving oneness. Weeness. 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 I fucked that up. It was funnier earlier. God like damn it. it. I, st- <laughs> I still like it. Our Jenna-isms. <laughs> Jenna-isms. Um, Ooh, I like that better. Jenna-isms. Yeah, because my name's not Jenna. I know it's not Jenna, but... Just Jen-isms. Like Jen-isms. Yeah. Jen-isms. Um, I'm an ism. <laughs> <laughs> I like but, it. But yeah, I love, I love Larry and... The the thing that one of the things I don't like about Larry is how fresh how quickly frustrated he gets with negative spirit. Why are you showing me this? What does this mean? So there's still as much as he wants to work with the negative spirit to achieve this weeness, he's very he very like kind of still very pushy and very impatient about it. Mm-hmm. And so I but he's coming around. He's him and Negative Spirit have a better relationship this season than the first yeah. season, obviously. I hope to see that progress. And I hope that... Um, I, n- I don't know. I don't think Larry will ever be out of his bandages because that's iconic to the that's character. Icon- yeah, there's no way. But, but 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 it's nice that we get to see him out of the bandages like oh, in yeah. flashbacks and stuff like that, or even when he's imagining... Yeah, you know, like, absolutely. But you know what? There is, another, uh, um, there is one other thing that happened this season. Um, because you just mentioned with the negative spirit and, you know, Larry getting frustrated with him. There was a really good moment that happened with that when the negative spirit, uh, how he did this, I have no idea, but cause they don't go into details of it. But when the negative spirit, uh, brings that tape recorder into the room with him, mm-hmm. uh, in the dad patrol episode and Larry listens to the recording and it's of him and Paul pretending Paul's, uh, Walter Cromkite yeah. and he, and he's interviewing his father before he goes on his mission. It's such a, bonding moment that's that a, you see that between. is a good moment so that's also even though he always feels like he was a shitty father that's a moment that shows he wasn't mm-hmm. you know um and i love that like the negative spirit is really there to like help larry you mm-hmm. know because it feels all the pain that that larry feels all that you know that self-torture larry was putting himself through mm. through season one so i do like that negative spirit is there you know, at least one person out of the group has a, a full-time companion to help work them through their trauma and kind of showing them the goods and the bads yeah. of the past and the present right. and to kind of more or less like be a guide and push them on this path of kind of tying up the loose ends or re- resolutions of with the family, sure. whether sure. good or bad. Yeah, I get you. I got you. And just to know that your family, your family was, you know, is still alive. You're, you know, whatever is left of them. And now, you know, yeah. do something with that information. Right. So I do like, I, I like that. And I hope that, yeah, they just continue to work together better. And Larry works on, obtaining a bit more patience. <laughs> I think he will. I think he will. I think him and the spirit are finally starting to, are they're finally starting to bond and he's starting to understand his relationship with the spirit. 
Um, he did mention the spirit. He's sick of having his past thrown in, shoved in his face, but he's not shoving it in his face. He's just trying to get him to accept his past so he can move on with his See, future. And I think, you know, because negative spirit feels the, the physical and emotional torture Larry puts on himself. Do you think that when negative spirit shows him these things from his past, quote, throwing these moments, the, the past in Larry's face, negative, it's negative spirits way of being like, this is what you're torturing us with right now. And we need to fucking get beyond it. I think if negative spirit actually had a voice, yes, I do agree. I think that's exactly what he would what he would say to him. Right. So but that's what La- I'm saying is this his yeah, act like that's Larry, him. But Larry doesn't communicating do, that. But Larry right. doesn't realize that. You know, he thinks that negative spirit is just being a dick. Mm-hmm. You know. But I think Larry's coming around to un- slowly but surely to understand yeah. that's not the case. He's, he sees what's possible with yes. five years of hard work. Exactly. So, so and, I think that'll and, be a motivation. A and big meeting motivator. Moscow was a big part of that for him this season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I loved her. I loved, yeah, and real quick, the Pioneers, oh, those guys were so silly. The they specs were silly, but and it was zip. Sad. Oh my eh. god! Just to hear that they had de- that they've been dead for so long, and they were just inhabited by uh, uh, spores, uh, spores, space spores. Sort. Yeah, and that's what was keeping them alive. Yeah. It's like, it's like one. I feel I felt sweat once you found that out. You're like, oh poor Moscow. She had to live with that for right? so long. <laughs> All of those fucking oh, years. It's like I'm zip <laughs> and I'm. Sp- Back. And I'm the brains of this operation. Yeah, and, he, and then we're going to run around playing slap ass. Yeah, like the whole time. <laughs> the whole time they're playing slap ass with each other. And I think she said something along the lines of you it, need it your got spirit. weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I think, you know, we're kind of going on our two and a half hour mark uh, to kind of wrap up our big conversation here. I love this. I've loved this conversation. I love everything that we fucking talked about. I wanted to throw in real quick when they get into in the Dumb Patrol episode. Dumb Patrol. And they get into the painting with the, the beard, beard eater. Or, I keep calling him Beard Hunter. Because that's his actual name. And I call him Beard Eater because he is a fucking freak. Yeah. And it's super gross. And but it just reminds me of how gross it is. It's funny. <laughs> um, but. So and he's painted just his front half white, so he's yes. hiding. But did you know? So when the when our our ragtag team of miscreants came upon the beard hunter in the painting, it's his backside unpainted, and he's just got some like a nice little shorty short banana hammock, uh, not tidy whities, but briefs, I guess. Did you see who was on Beard Hunter's underwear? No, who was on Beard Hunter's underwear? Motherfucking Beast Boy. Teen Titans what? go. Get out of here. Teen Titan goes, Beast Boy. Really? Not Teen Titan or not even like an animation animated version of Beast Boy from Titans. Right. The actual Teen but Titans. Mine, go. Teen Titans go, Beast Boy. I did not yeah, boy. That. Oh my god. So you know what I'm gonna do now? I am going to go to when I get home tonight, I'm gonna turn that episode on and just fast forward to that scene so I could see Beard Hunter in his underwear. Yeah. Because I have to see that now. I have to yes, uh, but I, I totally believe you. Yes, I loved it. I fucking loved that so much because as I've said before, my whole exposure to like the Teen Titans and like the cyborg and really kind of any of these characters yeah. <laughs> were via Teen Titans Go, not Teen Titans, not the serious one with the. And I love that it's the same voice actors, but the silly one. Still, I love this silly one. That's awesome. That's a, I had no idea, so yeah. I have to check that out now. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. And then, oh, so in the final episode in the carnival, we see our heroes go up against their imaginary friends, except for Larry, because he doesn't have one. And How yet sad. it's sad, yeah. but I feel like that's so fitting. <laughs> I don't know. Even Cliff says to him, he's like, that's just sad. Yeah. I mean, he's even like, Cl- Jesus? I just love that Jesus was Cliff's imaginary I best know. friend. I mean, uh, it could have been anybody. They could have gone any direction, and they went with Cliff, uh, Jesus, because uh, Cliff got sent to uh, Bible, camp. Bible camp Yeah, when he was a kid. Yeah, because um, his parents were arguing and yeah. then got back together yada and, yada and then like jesus is like you like you forgot all about you forsook, me forsook yeah. me and he's like he's like my dad said he was gonna change and jesus is like and you believed him and cliff was like i was six <laughs> and and then jesus was like ah oh, jesus you were six and, yeah i'm sorry he man <laughs> he does say that and then cliff's just like are you allowed to do that can you take your name in vain <laughs> i love the silliness of this show i fucking love it i love just the bonkersness and the goofiness and these weird what the fuck and Vi- even even with vic's imaginary friend uh uh, uh what was it Cow- cowboy dr cowboy dr cowboy and it, but it was his dad yeah had some big Cowboy Curtis energy there from Pee-wee's Playhouse. Did you watch? I remember Pee-wee's Playhouse. I don't remember Cowboy Curtis. Oh, you got to look that one up, too. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I liked it. So did you have any imaginary friends? Oh, you know what? When I was a kid, I didn't have any. I don't think I had any imaginary friends that I made, that I made up. But I'm pretty sure that when I was a kid, I imagined myself playing with fictional characters that were already existing. Oh, sure. Okay. So kind of like I would play with Batman yeah, or Superman. Gotcha. You know, so so your like imaginary that. friends were the Justice League. Well, Ish. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kinda, yeah, that's what you could that's how that's how I would put it. You yeah. know? You know, I I'd don't like, think imaginary friend has to be completely original. It's literally an imaginary friend. Yeah. Well, when we think of when I think though when you think when you when you hear when you when you hear people talk about imaginary friends, you think of some some made up figure mm-hmm. that is it doesn't exist anywhere else except for yeah. your head. And you know, that's fine and all. That's that I mean, there's I'm sure millions of people out there, especially kids mm-hmm. with imaginary friends that are just for them. But I think yeah, for someone like me, I don't know if it's just because I lacked imagination or just because I was a real big Batman fan when I was a little kid. <laughs> you know, um, you just really wanted Batman to be your busty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? I did. Did you? I had three imaginary friends. Were they friends too? They were all friends. Well, that's good. And this is how original I was, how creative I was as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, three of them, man, woman, and an animal. Named Man, Woman, Animal. Original. Yeah. I love it. And they would sometimes resemble Kermit, Piggy, and Animal. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that, that's cool. That's cool. So those were my imaginary friends. All right. Um, yeah. But do you remember how old you were when you stopped having imaginary friends? I was probably about six or seven. I would guess I don't remember exactly, but I was seven when uh, we had my when my brother came along. So okay. I would assume around then, or we just plotted on ways to get rid of him because that happened for oh, that's nice for a while too. Okay, so. there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Older sibling. Um, I don't know. I think I think I appreciate with this season the whole imaginary friend aspect of it, though, because we're seeing it all, you know, through the eyes of a child, basically. Mm-hmm. You know. 
Um, it's just that her imaginary friends are fucked up, you mm-hmm. know, and one of them is really not so imaginary. No, you know, very powerful. The, can- the candle maker is very real. It's yeah. just that the candle maker is it, 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 it's a part of Dorothy, mm-hmm. you know, and it's one's and the Dorothy's job is to release it through the wills of through the means of a wish or when she essentially becomes a woman. And, uh, well, we've seen both mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah. So. Um, so we, we've talked a little bit of kind of what we would like to see from our characters um, and storyline-wise going forward into the third season. Yeah. Um, anyone we haven't touched on or any other kind of final uh, Actually, hopes, theories? I did want to bring something up that yeah. I totally forgot about. Um, and I wrote it down somewhere in here. Um, one thing that confused me about this season was about Danny. Um, I so I've been under the impression, you know, ever since season one, Danny, you know, is a street, mm-hmm. you know, is a traveling, you know, is a street where jumping from one place to another, you keep people safe, and keep yeah. people safe and away from the from the Department of Normalcy. But in this season, Danny is a brick, and Dorothy accidentally breaks Danny. So the whole purpose of the party is to bring Danny back. What I'm confused about is how did Danny manifest itself into a brick from a street to a brick? I mean, can you that can was, they just do that? That was Danny's that was like the Danny version of the shrinking. Because Danny got shrunk. The only one that didn't get did shrunk. Did Danny get was that in season one when that happened? Yep. I, Dan, when, why am I not when they all shrunk and when, when once we realized that, you know, they defeated Ezekiel and everything and uh-huh. we realized that, that they was were all Danny, on Danny Street. That was all on Danny Street. Yeah. And the only one that didn't get shrunk was Larry. Right. So I think even at the end of season oh. one, it's Danny, it's a brick. And it says like the Danny Brick Company or what whatever. What happened to all the people on Danny then during that? Do you remember? So I, I don't think know. They would have gotten shrunk too. They must have. I would assume they must have made it off the street, sure. um, off of Danny, to be able to survive and then come back once Flex felt that little tingle in his left thigh. Hey. Yeah, bless him. Um, but then, yeah. But I don't know where because they clearly have been all together, right? You know, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. came back to to try and help Danny, but yeah, I don't know where. They so, ended and what's up. Fun, it's funny because out of everything this season, that is probably the one thing that confused me the most. Yeah, I am yeah. very happy, though, that we got a lot more of Danny's backstory in this because Danny has been around for a long time. You know? Yes. Um, yes. Danny, at least from what we could tell in this, sh- this from this show right. or this, this uh, season, Danny was an alleyway in London, England. Mm-hmm. An old-timey, old-timey Danny. Yeah. old-timey Danny. So. so Danny clearly has a lot more power than we are even remotely aware of if they are able to transform themselves uh, then into a tire. Is that what that was? Yeah, that was a tire. Yep. So assuming that, you know, like, oh, now, now they're... So Danny really is Kind of creates their own universe? Yeah, Danny isn't really just one type of bean. Yeah. Danny is all beans and all it could be any uh it could be anything anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. So Danny is I mean what I'm wondering is what would the Bureau of Normalcy even do had they gotten Danny? What would they what could they do? I mean because <sighs> Danny seems like honestly of all of everyone we have met, Danny is probably 
the most powerful character on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Really, they are. I mean, I would almost think that like had the Bureau of Normal Bureau of Normalcy gotten Danny, they would have maybe just used Danny as like their own like hideout and be able to travel around to where all these different anomalies are so and kind of da- force so Dan- Danny and like Danny can't can't shake them off kind of yeah like, like they they somehow are able would be able to take over and I don't know but cuz again we're learning Danny's hella powerful and Danny can tur- I mean for all we know Danny could just become a gust of wind yeah you know so and how do you stop that yeah so I, I can shrink all the Danny's ends and then they live in the tire <laughs> I just hope, I really hope that uh, come uh, season three, you know, I, I mean, season three, four, five, six, seven, I don't care how many seasons there are. <laughs> I just hope we never, ever stop getting Danny. Oh, yeah. You know? We need, from now on, Danny from however many Flex seasons. Have exactly. To be, oh, and, and morally corrupt. They have well, to yes. be the constants. Absolutely. Like, even if it's just one episode that we get them, as long as they're there, I want mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll even take the fucking beard eater as long as we get a flex, <laughs> one flex per I, season. I, so if you so if that meant you had to get one beard eater episode, you would get a flex. You would you would accept that? Yeah, as long as I'm guaranteed a flex. Ep- All right, fair enough. Don't. I like that trio though. I like the trio there. Danny, morally corrupt, and flex. Hell yeah! We have to come up by the time we're done with season three. We have to come up with a clever name for that trio. Okay. All right. All right. We will. So we'll work on that. But in the meantime, um, I guess that'll just kind of do it for us. We'll we'll be back as soon as season three drops and we binge the shit out of it a few times. Rumor has it's going to be September 23rd. It's not confirmed, but... I've heard it. Yeah, it's a, a fairly reliable source where this person has not been wrong in past... Right. So we'll just see how that shit. goes. Yeah. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed for it because... God damn it. I want more. I, I do love too. this show. Dude. I do too. And so good. So hopefully we'll, so we will be back with uh season three. Once we're able to be back with the season three for doom patrol, uh, hopefully, hopefully in that, hopefully before the end of the year. Well, and then hopefully even included in that will be another gen rant on the Titans. Mm-hmm. Cause I still will fucking watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just sit here and listen. I will do that. <laughs> and I will yell into the microphone and bump into it continuously. Like I kind of keep doing today, but it's great. But so in the meantime, uh, listeners, thanks for listening. I really got to work on that closing. But um, thank you, Eric, for being here in person in in the pod basement. Here, hold on. Can you get this sound? That was a high five. That was a high five. Woohoo. Keep streaming. Bye. Bye, everybody.